Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geekening Podcast. I am Will, otherwise known as Iron Crow. You may have heard me on All Ages of Geeks D&D Podcast by Sesh, where I play Tauros, the Minotaur Medicus from Melitus. But more importantly, we have a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Um, yes. Hello. Uh, thank you. Um, my name's Thomas. Some of you might know me as YouTuber Unicorn of War. Uh, I do videos on Ruby, Wings Club, which whatever I'm interested in at the moment on YouTube. And I'm also soon to be a published author. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Awesome! Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, great, honestly. Uh, but thank you. Let's go through this list of questions that I do not have written down, but I'm just going to pull out of my thin air. Uh, how did you come up with the name Unicorn of War? Hmm. Okay. It originated during my high school days, actually. I don't remember the specific circumstance. I remember that hmm, I wanted something that was feminine, but also deadly. And I, I don't know. I just decided fantastical creature Let, let's go with that and I think my first usage of it was either in an art class where I was attempting to sculpt a fantastical creature that failed miserably uh oh. turned into a turtle or <laughs> or it was in gym class uh where we were playing volleyball and like forming teams and we had to come up with a team name and I was like the unicorns of war and then no one picked that oh <laughs> yeah it's fine <laughs> Yeah, but um, with like something, as you said, like something feminine, but also deadly. I was just, yes. The th thought that came to my mind was just like, oh, femme fatale. <laughs> yeah, 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 close enough. Close yeah, you enough. Want, yeah, you wanted the femme fatale trope, which, hey, that's fine. Uh, gym classes, uh, I have mixed feelings about gym personally, being a bigger guy, height-wise, really. Mm. Uh but like volleyball wasn't the best at personally. I just loved it when we went to the weight room because it was simple and I could do it. Uh, uh, I but, understood nothing when I went in there, so I can't relate. <laughs> and that's fine. That's part of the joy of this, uh, the Geekening podcast. We get to learn about each other a bit more. Yes. Uh, but uh, one thing that really caught my eye was Winks Club, because I remember that show very vaguely. <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> uh, Any reason you have an uh, interest in it? Um, well, it was uh, kind of the show that got me into animation when I was younger. Um, I came across it, as most American kids did, through the 4Kids dub um during season three and then all of a sudden it just kind of disappeared from television and it was like over and I was like oh I really enjoyed watching like you know a bunch of girls like uh wearing cute outfits kicking ass exploding things fighting evil you know that was my thing um so I was like okay uh and I was looking for episodes online to like rewatch it come to find out there were other dubs there were other versions of the show including the original Italian version that was very different from the Four Kids version. Also, there was a movie on the way and a fourth season that we were not getting stateside. And I was like, that is interesting. Yeah. Which it's sort of like when like most 
like most people my age, when they first discovered like uncensored subtitled anime, uh, like online when they were younger, except my thing was this random Italian show about fairies. <laughs> so. Hey, that's fair. When I learned about, I could tell you when I learned about dubs and it, it what's what funny is, it is also a show about girls kicking ass. Oh, uh, uh, is it is it Sailor Moon? Uh, no, it is not Sailor Moon. No one was fighting evil by oh. Moonlight. Getting Nor winning by daylight. <laughs> Neither of those. Um, it was actually totally spies. Oh, uh, that's also a good choice. <laughs> yeah, because I did not know the show is originally French. Oh, yeah. Mm, a lot of shows from that, like, early 2000s were European, actually. Yeah, but... If there is one thing I still laugh about, I don't know why I laugh about it. I shouldn't, but I do. Oh boy. Because it's such a little thing. Because uh, in Totally Spice, we know the organization. It, it's Whoop. Never understood what Whoop stood for. But... Th- oh, God, just, what does it stand for? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but there's just something funny to me about hearing random French words and then Le Whoop. <laughs> oh no why didn't i not think of that that's that's beautiful and also cursed i love it it is yeah same same because then i learned that there was actually a spin-off of it which oh I believe we only got a few episodes of and was a it was, spin-off? yeah it was like something like totally amazing spies and it uh, was clearly different <laughs> yeah clearly different um and it was like tweens like focused on tweens like 12 13 like 12 to 15 age kids and they were training under the girls from totally spies okay weird pitch but i also kind of i don't know i'm a sucker for like characters i love like getting older and then becoming mentors so yeah they, they were kind of mentors <laughs> even though the leader of whoop was still jerry he was well, just... i mean jerry is eternal he will and never he, die and he always had a pun for how they um came into his office quote unquote oh yeah and... i remember he would kidnap them randomly in the weirdest ways i don't yeah. remember puns yeah he'd always have a pun like if they went down a slide He'd be like, oh, it's great for you to slide in today or something Ugh. like that. And it was just like terrible dad joke puns. And I blame that for why I love dad jokes to this day. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, to bring things to Ruby, like, Tai Yang is my spirit animal. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, I love his terrible jokes at Chibi because I make those jokes. Oh, you and a lot of people. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I appreciate the pun game, but also the puns hurt so deep. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's your punishment? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Go to jail. Go to pun jail. Oh. oh uh, jail. That is my punishment. <laughs> oh. Uh, but <laughs> Fine. yeah, that, that's how I discovered dubs. It wasn't through anime. Though, how I got to anime was actually kind of funny. Oh. Because growing up, I had two shows that I really liked that were anime, and they were way on the opposite ends of the spectrum. 
oh, okay. So like they were radically different from each other. Yes. Um, I first one that I enjoyed, of course, as most kids growing up in the 2000s, Pokemon. Pokemon was my thing. Mm. And it's still my thing. Still love Pokemon to this day. Excited for the Diamond and Pearl remix, even though those were the first games I beat. And it makes me feel old. <laughs> the nostalgia, but also the pain of aging. Yeah. And the other one was Detective Conan, otherwise known as Case Closed. I have not heard of this one. You haven't heard of Case Closed? No, I have not. Enlighten okay. me, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, let me look up a summary because I can't explain it without sounding insane. Oh, this should be, well, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, so, like, oh, so, um, insanity. Quick question, can you tell me the timeline? Um, no. (laughs) Like, the the timeline of, no human can do that. (laughs) Okay, um, Like, where is the plot summary? Like, because it gets... I mean, I'm assuming it's detective-related. Yeah, it is detective-related. Okay. The story follows the adventures of... Now, I'm going to butcher the first name because it's Japanese. Oh, boy. Uh, Shinchi Kudo, otherwise known as Jimmy Kudo, in case close a young detective prodigy who was inadvertently shrunken into a child's body due to a poison he was force-fed by a members of a criminal syndicate. Oh. Okay. Um, odd choice to do to him, but all right. Yeah, so basically it is this prodigy detective who is trapped in like a 10-year-old's body solving cases that sounds kind of adorable actually uh like let me we can still uh let me like show you what he looks like i mean i'm all for the chaos Uh, oh there's chaos because um there was two because i'm just imagining a small child with like detective sleeves like all the way oh my god he's so cute Yes, he is adorable. And oh like I believe God. some jokes did revolve about around women flocking to him. And he's just like, wife and I have had this when I was like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like he isn't like actively trying to go after them because you know tiny child. Yeah, tiny child. And he's just like, seriously, when when I was normal, I didn't have this women, this mound women following me. What the crud. Oh. Uh, but <laughs> Um, because the thing that special thing about um, because uh, Pokemon was on Cartoon Network, Detective Conan was on Adult Swim. Oh boy! Oh, Adult Swim, that brings back memories. <laughs> yeah, it does. Back when Adult Swim meant something. Oh, oof! I know nothing of modern Adult Swim, admittedly. So, um, basically, the only way you can catch anime on it i believe is i believe friday nights or saturday nights or sunday nights that's it i think that's it yeah i think i'm not for sure though i haven't watched it for a while Hmm. because i like to sleep yeah Um, that's uh mm. but the reason i was allowed to rock to watch um case closed 
was because uh, to quote uh, my mother at the time, because she was one of these, my parents were the good parents that actually paid attention to the ESRB on video games. Ah, the, the socially responsible parents. Right. Like, yeah, that's a little bit too ris- risque for you, child. Let's right. let's wait till you're older. <laughs> and yeah, basically. And with case closed, uh, my mom was just like, eh, you know what? It's mysteries. It doesn't get too violent. And that's fine. So in one episode, I see a decapitated head. <laughs> I was about to ask, like, how accurate she was. Apparently not a lot. Um, <laughs> not very. Very rarely did it really get graphic. Very rarely. Mm. Unlike the other show, I, I'm not sure if I was allowed to watch at the time, um, Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, uh, that's a classic. It oh, is classic. Nina. I love... Oh, Nina. I will say this, though. Um, I do blame uh, Full Metal for doing one thing and one thing only. And oh, that is making May Hughes my favorite anime character of all time. Oh, that's a rite of passage right there. <laughs> yeah, like, I love May Hughes. I still love him. Like, he is a prime example of how all dads should be. Maybe minus... Amen. The, like, maybe minus the threatening a child with a gun. Yeah, that, I mean, it also, I mean, dads, what can yeah. you do? But yeah, at the dads, same time, like, it's like, okay, maybe tone it down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got really introduced to animation. Then um, another way I got introduced was like, as I got older, I got my own mobile phone. And in high school, I started playing uh, Fate Grand Order, which is Fate's uh, gotcha game. Mm. And one of my friends saw me playing it. It was like, hey, um, there's this little web series called Ruby. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, okay, um, I might check it out. And he's like, no, 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 you're going to check it out. It's really good. I feel like you'd relate to Jean. And I wanted to oh. know what that meant. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch uh, some Ruby. So I binged volume one and two in the same day. Oh, God, that's, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, because like, I was like, okay, this looks decent. Then the music hit. I'm like, oh, this is good music. I like. <laughs> oh, that's good action. I like. Oh, look at someone called Piranikos. I like her. Oh, that, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it was a mistake because my friend at, at the time, uh, he spoiled Pira and Penny for me. Oh, oh, that's just cruel. That's just rude. <laughs> yeah, and then then came the harshest thing of them all. They got to the volume three finale. Also a rite of passage. Very yeah, sad one. <laughs> it is, but here's the thing. Volume three ended a week ago, according to the time I watched the finale. I was part of the weight of volume four. Oh. Mm. That weight was cruel. Yeah, it was. It just kind of left us all like, uh, <laughs> uh, what the heck? What just happened? Where are we yeah. going? <laughs> yeah, where are we going? And why am I scared? Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Though, another fun fact about 
me and my best friend at the time, um, when we did our senior quotes in our yearbooks, we both did Ruby quotes. Oh, oh, what did you pick? Um, I, my quote, I quoted Dr. Ublek. Sensible choice. <laughs> and the quote I did was, history is the very backbone of our society and the liver and possibly the kidneys if I were to wager. <laughs> I love all the qualifiers he adds. Oh, and, I mean, well, he ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Well, my best friend again at the time uh, quoted Professor Port. Oh. And his quote was just simply, place your bets. Uh, simple, straightforward. I like it. <laughs> much like Port. And uh, speaking of uh, volume three, since, you know, you mentioned you're into Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, I am disappointed we did not get to see Ublek and Port fight the Griffins. Oh, we all are. Like, I understand there were more important things, but right. I also want to see the professors kick ass because that's right. their whole job. <laughs> and I won't lie, watching it the first time, I honestly did get teary-eyed with one final match, Barty. Place your bets. Oh, right. Oh, now that I think about it, that was a very foreboding line. And then the next time we see them, it's like, oh, oh, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, and- <laughs> When I did write that article for All Ages of Geekbait with all the Grimm, I decided to go back to the episode and I counted every single griffin. Like, oh, when we God. see them encircling a Port and Ublek, they held off 20 griffins at least. Somehow I'm not surprised. God damn. But also <laughs> counting them all. Jesus. Yeah, I was just like, one, two, three. How I counted them is I counted them in a circle. Okay. I Because I'm also curious, like, how did, how were you sure you weren't counting a griffin twice? I knew the rough... Um, this is going to get really... I might We're getting be, very particular here. Yeah, we're getting very <laughs> particular, and we are getting maybe to... Um, I don't know if you watch them, but we, are, we might be getting to game theory levels of analysis and how in-depth I went. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this should be good. Because with, like, the shots, I mentally made an image of, like, the dimensions of a griffin. Oh, like, they're this, like, this, like, yay wide, yay tall. Yeah. Oh, for that shot, it had to be yay wide and yay long. Oh, dear. So I was just like, okay, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then eventually, and I think that's 20. Like, it is a minimum of 20. Like, the only way there's more is the ones I accidentally skipped. I I wish we saw that fight now, actually. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned 20. Yeah, yeah at like, least. Damn. 20. I also would have liked to see the Griffins fight. They didn't really get to do much. They were just kind of there. And, and I never saw them again. Though, I will say this, unfortunately, my friend did not spoil me for what happened to Torchwick. Oh, oh, that was the cruelest one. I, <laughs> no. Yeah, oh. and, like, I have a headcanon about Torchwick. We all do, go for it. <laughs> uh, my headcanon, it really stems from, this is, this is going to sound harsh, like, out of context. But 
when he's beating Ruby with his cane, and he's just like, the real world is cold. The real world doesn't care about spirit. Uh, you know that part? Yes. I theorize, like, my headcanon is that he used to be like Ruby and very optimistic and tried to become a huntsman, but never unlocked his aura. So they oh. wouldn't allow him in. Oh. He should have faked a transcript. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently very uh, easy to do with the soul let's talk about that transcript all right oh boy. i have issues with that oh dear this i good. hate how it took someone until volume eight to mention it yeah it did feel very it felt very oh we're talking about this now when there, there's like a, a demon siege over there it's been eight seasons okay all right Rand, go off <laughs> To be fair, I don't blame him for going off because they were in over their heads. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, were you, Ren, were you holding on to this? The whole, how did you know? Who told you? Did Pira, did Pira gossip? Pira gossip, didn't she? <laughs> I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Pira gossip. She'd seem like the type to really talk to her friends a lot. Um, this is true. <laughs> though... Talking about Pira makes me think about her being dead. Oh. And <laughs> it reminds me of this, like, one fan comic that I saw. And I, I only saw it once. And it bothers me that I only saw it once and never again. And oh. it was Jean visiting Pira's grave. Wait, she has a grave? It, it's a fan comic. Oh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so is one of those like, oh, you're expecting this to be really sappy, emotional. Goes to visit Pira's grave. Turns out he's not the only visitor. Oh, did everyone else go? No, not everyone else. Cardin did. Oh. Okay. John's, you know, being like defensive, like, why are you here? You never liked her. And Colin's just like, yeah, you're right. I didn't like her, but she made me realize I still had much to learn. Oh, oh, and like, and Colin, don't know where he, like, Colin had like a bottle of like, I'm assuming alcohol, and he just like took a sip and poured one out for Pira. Oh. And then after oh. pouring one out, he just leaves and just says, see ya, Jean. Oh, uh, see, I love stuff like that more in the show. I, mm. yeah, like, damn. Oh my God, I care about Cardin now. I never thought the day would come. <laughs> yeah, but another, another fan comic I seen was actually, it actually made sense. I believe he would do this. And it was the quote-unquote death of Cardin because we'd never see him again. Oh, right. So, it, oh, right. Because there were also a bunch of other students for like, oh, yeah, they died off screen in the fall. And it's, I guess they never confirmed whether Cardin did or not. Right, they didn't. And the fan art I think I saw was Cardin begging Cinder to let him live. Oh, I would pay to watch that. <laughs> I know, right? Because oh my god. <laughs> th- that man was just about self-preservation. 
let me guess, threw the rest of his team under the goddamn bus. Uh, no, not that I can tell because it was just one. Panel. Oh, it was just him. It was just him. Though, uh, actually, let me grab this book real quick because I can see it from where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. And it is the World of Ruby, the official companion guide. Which, oh God, everyone needs that when they're watching this show because um, half, half the story will be explained in a side book. <laughs> yeah, and pl- though there is one thing I do hate about this book. Oh, what is it, that? The volume after this book came out, one thing didn't become canon anymore. Oh, yes. Everything is canon until it's not. <laughs> right. And that thing is why Salem wants the relics. Oh, my God. Oh, that's... Because the book <laughs> the book says she wants the relics to rule remnant. Well, Which, cool. Well, in the show, we learned that she just wants to die. Which I... Oh <laughs> I have a lot of feelings but I don't know if we have time to go into them. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, but what I was going to read, which I found this interesting, and th- that's saying something when it involved Team Cardinal. Mm, okay. Was... Yeah, Dove Bronzewin. Dove Bronzewin. Cardinal's husky sword fighter, Dove Bronzewin, won praise from Monty Ohm, who saw him as the team Cardinal's secret weapon. I like the idea of Dove being the best out of the team, even though Cardin is the leader, he said. With Dove, you kind, you kind of like your pudgy character doing all these flips and stuff. Like, yeah, maybe he can go toe-to-toe with me. Oh, okay. So... Cardin isn't even the strongest on Team Cardinal. It's Dove. Oh, that is not something I would expect. I mean, I certainly knew Card. I mean, we don't know much about the others, but I was willing to bet Cardin was not the smartest. Oh, no, no, he probably wasn't. God, no. (laughs) Uh, Even though his in this... Also, what I love about this uh, companion book, it tells you the name of every single weapon that a character uses. Which, oh, I'm sure the people running the wiki pages were very happy for that. Yeah, like, Corden's weapon is called the Executioner. Oh, um, keep him away from John. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, actually, do you know what Corden is based off of? Isn't he the, the Cardinal of Winchester? Yeah, like, the Cardinal of Winchester. Who, who, oversu- in- who oversaw the death of Joan of Arc. yeah. I find that very interesting. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh dear. But um, with the executioner, you know how it was that mace with that red gemstone? Um, yes, it looked like an egg beater. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, that red gemstone is actually fire dust. Oh, okay. Hmm. And Cardin made the mace so his aura can go through it and activate an explosive hit. That does sound very Cardin. I'm going to have to go back and see if that was like in the fights and I just never noticed before. Or we never see it. That could happen too. That happens a lot. So um, <laughs> my favorite weapon name would have to be Neptunes. 
Oh yeah, isn't it like try hard? Yeah, yeah it's try hard. Like, of course it would be. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I, I love Neptune. Oh, he's a mess. God damn it. He, he is, but we love him. Uh, he's trash, yeah. but he's my trash. Yeah, basically. And um, I believe in the second novel, we get a flashback scene of the formation of Team Sun. Oh, okay. I knew we did get more Team Sun stuff in and, that second book. Um, the headmaster, which is... we I don't think we know his last name, but he's just... Pr- Headmaster Theodore. Mm-hmm. He loves to fight. Oh. Like, he is willing to interrupt a speech to fight a student if the student wants to fight. I I like that. I'm very fitting for Vacuo. Um. And <laughs> the best part is his Glinda basically has to reel him in, like, no, we have to do this meeting. And he's just like, oh, fine. Oh, oh my God. I love that. I, I, I want to see them. I want to see them. Yeah. Eventually. I, I want to see them too. But looking at the record of headmasters, well, we know what might happen. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Theo's dead. Uh, Theo is screwed. Good luck. <laughs> uh, but um, Theodore, like the author makes a joke about Team Sun and it works. Oh, because okay. the joke is who's the leader because there's three S's. Oh, yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and Theodore, like, this is roughly what he says. He's just, like, looking over the team and he's not even, like, looking at their files. He goes, okay, I don't know which one of you is the leader. Well, it's not you. And he points to Neptune. <laughs> oh. He's just like, well, obviously you're not the leader. So. Because yeah, you're obviously the N, and also try hard. No, no way in hell you're being put in charge of a team. Next, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, though, um, like also in the second book, which I should say, um, spoilers for the second book. It's very mm-hmm. important that I do say that because I don't want to accidentally spoil a book. Yes, before this reading. is your warning, children. Yeah, this is your warning. Um, let me look up this character's name again because I like to get names right. This has become the Ruby Hour and I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> hey, uh, that's, to be honest, I've always wanted to have a Ruby Hour. Congratulations, you're part of it. Excellent. Um, it's, it's all part of the experiment. I wouldn't really say it's an experiment. But uh, yeah, Nolan. Um, that one member that part of that one team that fought juniper and he had the cattle prod oh yeah the team led by bronze kneecaps uh, bronze knee yes and he was also based on bronze kneecaps so i just call him that ah. uh yeah his entire team died oh except for him and he had survivor's guilt oh okay oh wow all right then Okay. Yeah, we learned this in the second book, and it's like dark and sad. Like you feel bad for this guy because he describes how they died. Oh, oh, delightful. <laughs> and according to him, they died trying to give him enough time to run. Oh, oh, so it's like we are giving ourselves up to save you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
it's Mm-mm. either that or his team was in a big fight and he ran. Oh, and it's like I'm the only one who walked away from the fight because I ran from the fight. <laughs> right. And bringing up again the fall of Beacon in the books, you get to see how bad this was. Oh, because I imagine they go into more detail about like the aftermath. I remember the first book specifically showed a lot of Team Coffee, like dealing with the fallout of Beacon and like talking to Glinda about it and trying to help her with stuff. And it was not going well. Right. And in the second book, you get to see that, yeah, the fall of Beacon was rough on everyone. Like, I believe... I forget where I read this. Was I don't know if this was in the second book or not, or I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but a minimum of like 20 students died, including some staff. Okay. For some reason, I expected more, but that's, oof. Or that was just the veil statistics. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. Oh, good. Yeah, because I think it's easy for a lot of us to forget, like, how, how bad the fall of Beacon was in hindsight, because so much has happened since right. then to where, because I think we all forget, like, what a shock it was to watch when Volume 3 came out, and now it's like, oh, yeah, death? Yeah, that's the normal thing now. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that the books really do highlight is what the people saw before the feed was cut of the Vital Festival. Because characters in the second book are like, yeah, we don't trust Atlas. Did you see what they did? Oh, right. Because, like, the hacked soldiers were, like, shooting at people. And Cinder was telling Mercury, yeah, um, get all of that. Get some good angles. Yeah. Uh, And Mercury was just like, on it. And Emerald's just like... (laughs) I hate my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I love Mercury. I love Mercury. Just being a little... Uh, editors, you might have to censor this. I'm sorry if you do. <laughs> uh, I just love him being a little shit. There's no other word for it. I, no, there's not. Because it's like, with his upbringing being raised by a serial killer, yeah, it makes sense. He doesn't hey. really know what empathy is. Hey, hey, not a serial killer, an assassin. There's is a there dim- really- is, what, is there really? <laughs> one gets paid. <laughs> I mean, that's that's true. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Tyrion doesn't get paid. He does it for fun. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. I mean, like, I have to appreciate that. Like, go where your heart is. Not money. I, I mean, I would hope your heart isn't in that. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> but also... Um... I do love what um, Port's Blunderbuss is named. Oh, God, it has a name. It oh. has a name. And I kid you not, it's called Blowhard. Why am I not surprised? I shouldn't. Then, oh, my God. Then you have Ooplex, which is called Antiquities Roast. Okay, that one's just cute. That one's like Antiquity historical yeah. nerd, and roast for the coffee of death. Yeah, and um, then you have Glinda's because, yes, even her riding crop is named. 
I do. Yeah, I remember it was named. I don't remember the name. It is the Disneyplarian. Yeah, that fits her. That very much fits her. Yeah. And um, Lionheart's shield is also name dropped in this book. Oh, yeah, the weird little shield thing that shoots rocks. Oh, uh, it doesn't shoot rocks. Oh, I no, like it shoots, the like it has like dust. little slots. Yeah, for the dust. I don't know. It's just very funny to say it shoots rocks. <laughs> yeah, and though I did like the shield. I thought that was a really cool weapon. Uh, hmm. Though, yeah, people, though people were making a joke that it's his dual disc from Yu-Gi-Oh. It does look like a dual disc. It does. Uh, it does. But it's called Stalwart. Oh, okay. Which, let me look up the definition of uh, that word because I'm not for sure. And loyal, reliable, and hardworking, which he is not. <laughs> or he could have been. He could have been at some, I mean, hardworking, trying to save himself. Yeah, that yeah. one's accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I believe this is like the second time I have brought up my unofficial catchphrase of uh, the Geekening podcast, which is let me look it up because I like to look up a lot of things apparently. I mean, like, you got to get the right information. So. Right. Then you have General James Ironwood's weapon. Isn't it was... due process? Yes, it is. And it's still the coolest name. I approve. I it, wish. I do. I wish there was more of it. I wish there was more due process. Which, take that out of context. Um, uh, yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, like, Argh. uh Ugh. But, uh, we, we can't avoid it. Let's talk about Ironwood. <laughs> we'll be here all day. <laughs> oh, where do you start? Um, volume 7, Ironwood. A great morally gray character. A good boy. <laughs> Who is doing his best. Yeah, he's trying his best. The Team Ruby's not making it easy for him. No. No, they are not. <laughs> Oh God, it's like, no, we don't trust this man. And it's like, but why though? <laughs> yeah, he literally gave Yang an arm and she never thanked him. And it's like, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe don't lie to the headmaster when you were mad at Oz for not, for telling, you, for tell, not telling you about the details of his trauma. Uh, just a thought. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, also, speaking of trauma, Ironwood clearly has PTSD from the oh, Fall yes. of Beacon. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because of the Black Queen. Oh, which, oh, this poor, this poor man. Yeah. Was just so tormented. He was, and no one was really there to help him. No, no one really cared. Uh <laughs> uh, speaking of not caring, uh, where's Pietro and Maria? Um, off in space, having a, <laughs> having a date on the moon, and they're fine. They're totally fine. Nothing happened to them. Penny sent Pietro a text to tell him she was fine. Um, and now that Penny is gone, um, I, I guess Pietro will be um, going to grief counseling. Um, uh, <laughs> again, uh, spoilers for volume eight. Oh, everybody knows. <laughs> um, though I did see this one joke. I'm like, oh, that's dark, but that's funny. 
Oh dear. Uh, it was with everything landing on the beach. I just want to have Team Ruby get reunited with Jean, and then just Penny's corpse just falls. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> twisted. It is. Oh, because it didn't go through a portal. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it just kind of, fe- and all the weapons probably fell too. Yeah. And, oh dear oh no that's not gonna be fun i they're gonna hand wave it probably i i if they don't don't, if they don't i'll laugh i it's twisted and i love me some twisted humor me too it's just oh at the same time i'm like but my robot daughter deserved better (laughs) Uh, she did um they brought personally personal opinions this is not fact this is just me ranting they That's shouldn't have brought, work. yeah, this is how podcasts work, people. Um, they should not have brought her back just to kill her off again. Amen. That is not, <laughs> that is not, uh, as a writer, I would just like to say uh, any potential writers in the audience tonight, um, if you have a character who is dead, one, don't bring them back. That's dumb. Two, if you insist on bringing them back, please don't do it just to kill them again because it doesn't make you look cool or smart. It just makes you look rude. <laughs> rude. <laughs> I was trying to find nice words. <laughs> you were. Bless your heart for that. I tried. Um, you're making it easy on the editors. They, I know. They appreciate you. Uh, um, hi, editors. Uh, hi, editors. Hope you're having a nice day. Yeah, I hope you are too. <laughs> Uh, but what, what else can we talk about? Um, Hazel, Hazel's cool. Oh, Hazel. Hazel. I remember one time, I think this was in back when this was actually relevant, the Ruby Amity Arena Discord. They had a Discord? Yeah, they had a Discord. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And which got shut down after the oh. game got shut down. <laughs> Oh, that's just sad. And I made the joke that Hazel is more heroic than our heroes. <laughs> because you're not, this was... you're not wrong. <laughs> because but at the is... same time, what does that say about our heroes when Hazel has also beaten a child for <laughs> half of a season? <laughs> fair, fair. But this was like before Hazel really assaulted Oscar. Oh, this is before the child beating. Okay. And this is... <laughs> Out of context, again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ruby out of context is something. Uh, but yeah, this was before volume eight, I believe. Yeah, most 100% before volume eight. Um, but, you know, I made that like side comment, like, oh, Hazel's more heroic than them. And I kid you not. The next comment someone said was, we stand or hunky dilf. Oh my. <laughs> I, oh, good Lord. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, you could phrase it better. But... I, I also did not age well with the horrifying. <laughs> I watched a lot of judgmental critter and twins. And I remember uh, their friend Allison at one point in one of their podcasts called it like Hazel's pretzel ribs because of the way that they were modeled. They kind of resembled pretzels. They do! And it's like, I can't unsee it now. I can't, I can't either. I, oh God, where's the eye bleach? 
though, speaking of eye bleach, you might want ear bleach for this. Oh, no. A little Ruby, did you know? Oh, dear. Um, the voice actor for Tyrion also voices Armin in the Attack on Titan dub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember finding that out because um, I got into Attack on Titan um, about a year ago. Oh. Like, I, I've seen the first three seasons. Um, uh, personally, I tried to get into it. Couldn't care. I, it's it's not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, it's not for everybody. But I remember finding that out. And I'm like, okay, the talent of Josh Grail. But also, yeah. I keep imagining Armin hiding a scorpion tail. Just <laughs> one day. Uh, but um, I believe I was watching a panel he was on. And he was talking about his role as Armin and Tyrion. Because those were his big two at the time oh and boy. one of his favorite things to do for fans is the Tyrion laugh I mean you gotta like if you're if you are voicing a a maniacal villain who's just having a good time and is a little crazy you, you gotta do a laugh you gotta. yeah you, you do you do uh, Tyrion I love Tyrion we all do <laughs> he's having uh, a good time he, he is and what I love is he knows what will happen when Salem gets the relics and he doesn't care. Which, like, <laughs> bold. Okay, all right then. And also, I love the name of his weapon. Oh, they have, oh, God, what are their names? The Queen's Gambit. <sighs> Even his weapon is dedicated to Salem. It would be. I mean, he's already dressed like he's in a cult for her, so... <laughs> That's something I'd love to see in Ruby, like a cult around Salem. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, quite honest. But at the same time, I have this running gag where every piece of media that I consume or that I write has at least one cult. So uh, Ruby's long overdue. We need a cult. <laughs> I mean, we did have the White Fang until we didn't. Yeah, would we? Oh, yeah, Sun called it a cult, which like, um, oof. Uh, <laughs> Why did we write it this way? <laughs> I mean, with the way the Albane brothers acted. <laughs> yeah, and they were like very culty. And I'm like, wait, okay, what is the White Fang supposed to be an allegory to? Because I'm very confused right now. <laughs> right. Um, and here's the thing. I don't know if I'm in a minority about this in the fandom or not, but I actually love the Albane brothers. Yeah, oh, that's that's odd because I don't I actually don't know how most people feel about. I just kind of assume most people didn't really care about them or remember that. I certainly didn't care about them. Why did you love them? Because I thought they were a villain in the show that you couldn't beat physically. Oh, you mean like they're more intellectual villains? Yeah, they were more intellectual and more scheming. And I like scheming villains that like, sure, you might be stronger than me, but I have this. How do you beat that? Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. I wish we did get to see more of that, but I definitely get where you're coming from. Yeah. So it's still talking about the Albane brothers makes me think about Menagerie and Menagerie makes me want to talk about Gira and Callie Belladonna. Oh, cat parents. <laughs> yes. 
I miss them. I miss them too. And I love how Callie was able to take down an assassin with a tea with a- tray. I, I'm like, okay, this doesn't really make a lot of sense, but at the same time, I don't care. It's funny. I, I'm here for it. Uh- <laughs> um, and another MD Arena Discord I was in, I made the joke that Callie should be a unit and her weapon is her tea tray. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah. You know what? Convert the tea tray, make it also a gun. Do it. it it's Ruby. It's also a gun. It's always, it has to double as a gun. It has to. That's the rule. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a joke I seen back when the Knuckly fight recently came out. Oh, okay. Because that's when we learned that Jean's sword can now uh, transform. Oh, yeah, into a sword with slightly sharper edges. <laughs> and bigger. And okay. <laughs> the joke was like, Ruby saying, oh, the weapon is an extension of, you know, who you are. And it said, Jean's original sword, long sword. Jean's sword now, a bastard sword. I, (laughs) Uh, I mean, he was very edgy during that time. He was, though. If it's. Can, Can we talk about the joke? of when people reacted to Jean's haircut. Oh, like that it looked like bananas. <laughs> that it looked like bananas or an avocado. Or not, I no, do not, not remember the avocados. It wasn't an avocado. It was like some sort of like fruit. It was like, uh, let me see if I can find this gif because it was great. Oh God. I personally, I don't, I did not mind the haircut. I actually liked that he got it out of his face. Although I understand why. People were like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, like for a while, that's how I was too. Just like, what, what is that? It, it did look very odd. And <laughs> it, it grew on me though. <laughs> oh, same, same. And, and then I think everyone moved on to screaming about Blake and Royce's hair. <laughs> uh, Blake's hair was fine. I love the cute short hair. It's just uh, the model. Uh, for me, it's just like, there's only one thing that irks me, and it's the stereotypical bisexual haircut. Oh, yes, the bisexual bob. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's the only thing I complained about. I was like, really? We have to do We're this? We're going there? Yeah, yeah, like, like what? We have... Um, All bisexuals it, have one haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. And when you look at modern media, some popular media, yeah, you know, Max Caulfield, um, I believe Marceline. Yes. Um, PB from Adventure Time. Blake, just come yeah. on. It's like, it's that's, that's Remnant's version of coming out as bi, just getting that bob. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's any other Ruby characters with a bob. Though I do know one thing that I think it's canon involving um, um, sexuality in Remnant. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, Scarlet and Team Sun is actually gay. Oh yes, that. Oh God, I have a lot on, to say on that. Oh boy. Go ahead. I'm not going to stop you because I'm looking for this gif. <laughs> oh right. Uh, might as well fill the time. Um, I just, uh, I, I'm not a fan. Scarlet is like 
a non-character and he wasn't even confirmed in show he was confirmed in like the ruby anthology in like a side content not even explicitly through like (laughs) through like a little joke of like oh you're looking for a man ruby well like you know that's not gonna be me and i think he might say something also about like being more into guys but it it wasn't it wasn't explicitly like i'm into men or i'm gay it was a joke and it's like so the non-character in a piece of side content is going to be heralded as great gay rep and also one of the few if oh if not the only gay male rep in the show okay sure jan all right (laughs) okay Uh, i yeah i (laughs) it's very critical but i have to also say how i feel (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm going to be sending you a uh, URL to the GIF. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Oh, oh this, should, this should be fun. Oh, no, here it is. Just look at the DMs. Oh, God, I remember. <laughs> I remember this. Or the choke. Oh. That's what it is. Or the choke. Not oh, Avocado. my God. I can't unsee it now. Yeah, I know. I this is going to haunt my night. And also now I'm envisioning Tyrion as a stylist, which I never knew thought I would need that in my life, but it's here now. Hey, I bet there's a fan fiction of it. I yes, I approve. Uh like what other great like what other things in Ruby do am I like, oh that's kind of cool, but eh. I mean with Ruby, you kind of like you can, you basically um, can, it's just a bottomless well of things. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, okay. I know one thing I could talk about. Volume seven. Okay. I, I did not know how, no, no, not volume seven, volume six. <laughs> volume six felt like two different volumes. It did. It did. I assume you're referring to like the second they got to Argus. Yeah, second when they got to Argus, something happened because before Argus, it was great. It was on to becoming my favorite volume. Yeah, and then, then something Argus, happened. And you hit a dead end. <laughs> like you dropped the ball. How? It was super glued in your hands. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yeah, like oh. And I believe people keep saying, like, oh, it's not because of Genlock. I'm just like, "Mm, Genlock looked pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. Mm, Oh, yeah. And very, like, celebrity voice actors. um, The situation with um, the the one who voiced Roman, whom we do not speak of. Right. uh, All of that stuff. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, that's going to take a lot of budget from other departments. (laughs) Yeah. And don't know if this is unpopular, but I loved Cordovan. <laughs> she was very fun. She was she, very she was bombastic fun. and theatrical. She deserved, but they all deserved a better finale than what the hell that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like Sean's just like, oh, I have a plan. Let's steal from the Atlas military. Yeah, because that sounds like a great idea. Like, sure, and, why not? And like, how far do you think we'll get? 
like and that's basically what crow was saying until ruby okay boomered him which bold move but also okay i <laughs> like she oh, didn't God. really okay boomer him but you know what i mean she basically this- just it's also like wait well why why are we going to atlas again like at this point just go somewhere else <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, i could tell that the voice actor for cordovan was having fun oh absolutely like when you when you're like a little short like like i forget what was her rank again uh let me i know she was pretty i think because i want to say general but ironwood is the general it, yeah, let me look it up. Special operative? Or is that winter? That's uh winter. hmm Because I the only reason I remember that is the joke Crow got involved with. Like you special operatives think you're so special. Oh yes, and it's like it's and which, in the yeah, title. It's in the title. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, yeah, Caroline Cordovan. Um, no, she she is special operative. Oh, okay. Well, I'm because I was going to say when you're a little special operative who's like yeah. very frumpy and small and full of anger, you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> yeah, and plus she's based off of the little old lady who lives in a shoe, which I <laughs> I still don't think that I I I get the vibe of the island being shoe like, but the big metal shoe like the robot i did not what i don't think that looks like a shoe it looks like it could be made of like shoe leather but it does not resemble itself a shoe <laughs> and, and plus the best part i think is volume the second half of volume six involving cordovan can actually be summed up in the poem because they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, because there once was a lady who lived in the shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. So she oh, gave yeah, them they... some broth without any bread and spanked them all soundly and sent them to bed. I you're yeah, and they even reference that in like the song, and it's oh wow, okay. Mm. Yeah, but it is true. She had so many children to deal with, she didn't know what to do. Ah. Uh... And then, Good Lord. then we have, um, you know, uh, Blake and Yang versus Adam. Which, oh, <laughs> do we do we have time for that? We, we, we have time. That uh, was... That weird. fight, the, the fight was cool. Don't get me wrong. Fight mm. was great. Thing that bothered me is nobody remembered the weapon is also a gun. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot in, like, modern Ruby. <laughs> Yeah, just like, um, I would just love for it to look like an epic fight's going to happen. And then just gun. <laughs> just like, oh, wh- what it's did like you think? We will clash. And then like mid-sentence, you hear a gunshot. They look down. It's like, oh, I've been. It's like that meme of like, Olaf, like, I've been <laughs> Oh, look, killed. I've it's been like, impaled. It's like, oh, no, I've been shot. <laughs> you know, uh, did you know people were making that joke when uh, Weiss got stabbed with that spear by Cinder? <laughs> Oh, I remember oh, look, that. I've been in- <laughs> that was beautiful. I also was remember when Blake and Yang self 
selfie became a meme and they were taking the selfie around yeah. Weiss being impaled and I was like dang all right yeah, the Blake and Yang selfie means funny but again back to the Blake and Yang versus Adam fight um my opinions on it was Adam a bad character yes he was a terrible person was he an entertaining person a bit did he deserve to die? Oh, yeah, he did. My uh, problem is that Blake wanted to talk about it, but Yang didn't. Oh, yeah, they, we, it's Ruby. We never talk about, like, anything that's actually affecting us. We never say how we're fully feeling. We just kind of run on assumptions. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they do. But, like... Adam is... Oh, God. Um, it's kind of a lot to unpack. Yeah. right now but what i will say is that um like for reference i just i'm gonna plug like my old white fang video which like friends like maxwell media inc and my friend blake helped on talking okay. about talking about like issues of how ruby depicts things like you know the white fang is an allegory for racism basically and how it kind of fumbled by like villain like long story short it feels like a white guy's idea of like what Black Lives Matter was back in 2013. And the way Adam was handled, it just feels, I, I, I want to be careful what I say, because it's a very charged issue. And I know a lot of people really, like the right. Blake as an abuse survivor, that storyline really resonated for a lot of people. And I completely right. understand, like I was one of those people. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge the shortcomings of Adam as like a freedom fighter, as someone who was fighting for racial equality and the show basically kind of swept that under the rug and kind of used the abuse angle as a shield. And it's just, it's, oh, <laughs> this show, I like, yeah, I, like in universe, in the canon that we have, I like Adam, bad person, it, it depends because like we, Ruby is written in a way where everybody walks away with a completely different interpretation because of how it's written. But at the same time, I feel like Adam writing wise deserved more nuance, like same as Ironwood. Hey. Deserved way more nuance than he got. And this might be a shock to some people in the fandom, but I understand where you're coming from. <gasps> oh uh, my God, we can understand each other's differences without trying to kill each other. Oh my God. <laughs> it's almost like we're having a <gasps> conversation. Wow. Uh, but on a more uh, serious note, uh, personally, like what you said, I find very interesting because that's not the problem I had with Adam. It's not. Mm -hmm. My problem with Adam actually is less about Blake, more about Yang. Okay. Because, you know, Yang has been petrified about these visions of Adam until she's right in front of him. Oh, yeah. And her hand shakes like one time. And that's apparently enough. <laughs> like oh. she should have been like deer in headlights, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. It's like Yang's whole trauma is very watered down. Again, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about how it affects Yang. We don't see all the symptoms of PTSD be beyond just handshakes and like that one nightmare in in volume four. Um, it's, uh, like, 
we could have gotten a lot more. And I feel like that shows in that fight. It doesn't live up to what a lot of people were hoping it would be. Right, which that's fine. But it's only if they had a character with a bit more nuanced PTSD. Oh, wait, they did. Ironwood. Yeah, and then they were like, you know what he would do? You know what he would do? He would be the genocide general and he would shoot a man in cold blood for no reason. It's like, okay, all right. And he would also bomb his own city. And it's like, okay, um, all right, sure. Um, okay. <laughs> what I would have, now that you mention it with the hallway scene, I would have still liked him to pull out the gun, but have him say, how do I know I can trust you? Oh, like focus on the fact he feels he can't trust anyone, but he's giving people a chance. Right, like he doesn't want to shoot because he knows like, oh, I've been working with these people, but the people I've been working with have been betraying me. How do I know I can trust them? How yeah, like can amp I up I... the paranoia. Yeah, amp up the paranoia where you start to feel really bad for him. Instead of just make him an... Yeah, because that's that's what we need when Salem is here with her council of evil, another mustache twirling villain. Yeah, even though uh, one thing I think Team Ruby definitely ignored um, that Ironwood was right. <laughs> yeah, like when you look at it, Salem really didn't care about Mantle because Mantle doesn't have anything that she would want. She don't care. <laughs> she after <Yeah>. Atlas. <laughs> Yeah, and Ironwood said, like, she's going to come for Atlas. She's going to bring the Grim right here. Oh, not if we can stop her. <laughs> Fast like, forward how? a bit. And all, like, also, Ruby's like, but we can stop her if we try. But it's like, you didn't try, though. You just added Weiss's house for, like, set, like until, until, I just. They, they did. They were debating whether, I can't believe. Like eight seasons in, the main characters were debating whether or not to engage in the plot, and then they did not engage in the plot. They just sat there while their friends exploded the whale. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But oh my god! <laughs> I will say this: um, there is something with uh, the whale scene that I loved, and that was the predecessor to it—the Hazel Salem fight. I did enjoy that for as brief as it was. The, the reason I liked it was how it ended, but the way it ended before uh, Oscar used uh, the long memory, which is Ospin's Kane's name. Um, okay. Um, which, which part are you referring to? Like, I'm referring um, to when Hazel had to grab on Salem and then bit the fire dust. Oh, right. Burning the witch. Yeah, I thought that was a great visualization of burning the witch at the stake. Which, oh. And I was just like, oh, that is clever. I like it. With, oh, it is. Uh, it's a very twisted thing. Uh, actually, um, funny mentioning of Salem. Uh, my friend and I went to Salem uh, recently for like a little weekend trip. Oh, like, Salem, Mass? Yeah, Salem, Massachusetts, like witch town. Uh, fun fact. Uh, none of the witches uh, uh, killed Salem were burned. They were uh, all hanged. Yeah, they were, and one guy was crushed. Yeah, one guy was crushed by rocks, and it was mostly to steal people's land. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that was a that was a Oops. wild thirteen oh. months. 
<laughs> Oops, all murder. Uh, <laughs> this is fine. It's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I knew that that it was uh, mostly uh, hanging. But it's good mm-hmm. for the listeners to learn that too. History is important, as uh, Doctor Ublek would say. He did not earn that PhD for fun. I mean, he he could. I mean, it could have been for education, but also he probably found it fun. Now talk about like see. This is what I meant when I say two friends sitting on a couch because we're bouncing off topics left and right. This is wild. <laughs> it is wild, and I'm glad you're having fun. Uh, um, thank you. I am. Because <laughs> I do have a uh, head cannon about Ublek. Oh, okay. And it's when he's talking to Ruby at Mountain Glen, and he says, tell me, what do you see? And, you know, a bunch of ruined buildings, empty streets. And he says, I see lives that could have been saved. And my head cannon cannon is that he was there during the fall. And there was nothing he could do. Oh, that would have been, that would have been nice to explore. Like, especially because we don't have a timetable for like Mounted Glen. We don't know when it fell. We just know it fell. And though through the Ruby video game, Grim Eclipse, we learn how it fell. Oh yeah, wasn't it like Merlot was like doing some Grim experimentation and that kind of made everything unstable? Yeah, because Grim were in a place where Grim should not be. And I'm disappointed that we'll probably never see Merlot in the show. Oh, never. (laughs) And we'll probably never get a Grim Eclipse sequel. Uh, also probably never, which, mm. Like, the reason I loved Merlot as a villain was because he tried to use Salem's weapon against her, the Grim. Oh, wait, so, wait, you said against her. Was he fighting, trying to fight Salem? Uh, him and Ospin for a while were on the same page, yeah. Oh, okay, but then he eventually succumbed to the evil... Uh, not succumb to the evil. He wanted to make Grim perfect. Oh, that's a that's a project. Good yeah, luck. Because in the song "Lunis Nature," which can translate to "freak of nature," he wanted science to prevail where nature failed. Oh dear God! Which ooh. Oh, no. And in the game, we do learn that, like, yeah, him and Ospin were kind of close because he refers to him as Oz. Mm. And not many people did that, except for people who were on the inner circle. Oh, God. Yeah, it would have been nice to see some of that in canon. Like, more closeness of characters like characters with pasts together i think would have been really nice to see in the show especially because again ironwood like just doesn't acknowledge oz or oscar in eight at all (laughs) it's like i shot that child once moving on (laughs) (laughs) it's like "Hmm, shot the child anywho uh, but yeah, Merlot wanted to experiment on the Grim to see if he could use them to fight other Grim and eventually Salem. Oh, okay. Bold, bold choice there. Because that would be an army he doesn't have to feed. 
that doesn't have to sleep. True. The Grim are just driven to murder. So. Yeah, they murder for the sake of murdering. Yeah, that's that's how um, they have a good time. And then <laughs> through Merlot, we find out one Grim can be mutated. Oh yeah, with like the weird green crystals. Yep, because we have three different types of mutated Grim. We have the mutated creeper, which is like those terror bird things, you know. Yeah, the weird dinosaur-looking things. Yeah, which were, according to the guide book, uh, based off of terror birds, which are big birds that couldn't fly Ooh. in the prehistoric ages. And um, what they do is they explode. Oh, lovely. And people are like, okay, that's a Minecraft reference because green, explode, creeper. Oh, mm, very clever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I thought that too. Uh, then there is the, I kid you not, mutated alpha Beowulf. Oh, so like the big bad wolf. Uh, yeah, the big bad wolf. And this, in the game, those things are tough as nails. Well, yeah, they're the bigger bad, they're the bigger badder wolf. Yeah, and I mean, they are super fast. And when they slam their hands or paws, I suppose, on the ground, green crystals erupt out of the ground. Oh, I would like some of that in canon, please. But then you have the final boss of the game. Oh, yeah, the Death Stalker, right? A mutated baby Death Stalker. That thing is a baby. Uh, it's either a baby or a young adult. Because I really don't want to see what it would be all grown up. Um, all grown up is what Jean held on to in volume one. That is oh, a no, I mean, a, I mean, adult mutated. <laughs> right, because this thing can, it has its pinchers, of course. It has its tail. It can bury itself underground, and then it can shoot off a volley of poison arrows from the tail. Oh, I did not know it could do that. Oh, that's frightening. Yeah, it is. And you'll never see it in canon, most likely. Oh. Well, I mean, the mutated creepers were technically in canon for Amity Arena. Oh, God. Does that even count? <laughs> um, since the game takes place in universe, yes, actually. Uh, damn it. Uh. Uh, but, like, there's a lot of things in Amity Arena that is just interesting in canon mm. because we actually learn a bit about Tyrion. Oh yeah, because we see a bit of his uh, past like narrated in Seven, but they don't go in detail. Right, basically that before, because the game doesn't acknowledge, the game kind of does and does not acknowledge Salem. Oh, right, because She's not public information, so. Yeah, she's not public information. The way they refer to Salem is the way we would refer to the boogeyman. Oh, okay. Well, at least that's what I got from it. And Tyrion honestly just went around remnant killing people. Just, that's what just he did. For, just for fun. Yep. And we also get a bit of background information on uh, Tak, who was the the uh, farthest that took uh, Maria's crocodile eyes. Lady. Yeah, the crocodile lady that the fandom loved, and I can't blame them. That design I mean, was beautiful. I yes, and also 
the I know a lot of people made fun of the accident. I'm a sucker for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the disgust. No, it's not disgust. It's because I agree with you. Like, oh, good. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Another person of quality. I don't know. There's just some about it. I, I don't really care if it's authentic or not. I just like how it sounds. Yeah. And we do learn that she was hired by Salem in Amity Arena. Ah. Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone kind of figured. Yeah. I know some people were like, but maybe Oz, though. And it's like, no. okay, dude, no. Like, I, like, let's get off the shady Oz train. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, Osmond's done some bad things. According to him, he's made more mistakes mm. than every man, woman, and child. I mean, yeah, some mistakes. But, like, not, not like war crime levels. <laughs> that we know of. Uh, and but, if if I don't see it laid out in front of me, it's not there. <laughs> uh, fair enough. But if there is one book I highly suggest that you get, it is the Fairy Tales of Remnant. Oh, oh yes, and yeah. that's also getting adapted because the first episode just came out today. Yes, and it is the Grim Child, and that is like I read the book day one. Of course, the Grim Child is dark oh i i could tell from what i saw that was um oof yeah and actually in the book which is canon because it had it's canon because the stories in the book are stories that are told in remnant yes which um i would like i i I really want to hear more about like the fairy tales of Remnant, but I also want to hear about them like in the show. Like I want to know like what legends and stories all the characters grew up on and like them comparing them. It's nice we get it in this, like the supplemental stuff, but I would have liked more of it in the show proper. Right. I agree with you. Mainly because what I find the most interesting, honestly, is that there are two stories in the book that conflict each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it doesn't and have to do with Faunus. Yes, it is what made the Faunus become the Faunus. Right. And it's like they have two different creation myths. Yeah. Which, the way you look at it, it's told like one is clearly from a Faunus point of view and the other one isn't. Oh, <laughs> humans. Uh. Yeah, but that does remind me, like, going back to Faunus brings us back to Adam. Oh, Adam. There is one thing I am, like, disheartened that we'll never get to see. And that is Weiss's reaction to seeing the Schnee Dust Company brand on Adam's face. Yeah, agreed. Because it, it's like, again... We, we set this whole thing up where the STC were exploiting Faunus and were being especially cruel to them and Adam specifically because like their their name is literally branded onto his skin but we're not really going to acknowledge that. Right. And we're going to drop it the second we get into Atlas which okay all right sure well, I, I don't know I'm very torn because like a lot of um like people I've talked to like friends who like are black or people of color have said they're kind of happy the white fang stuff got dropped because of how it was handled which i totally get totally yeah, understand i get that. that too but at this at the same time it is kind of frustrating that it's like 
oh this this i part of me wishes that the, the writers never tried in the first place because like dang it would have been now just them being a formerly good a thing used for good which became corrupted that would be cool standalone you know yeah i i don't know agree to disagree i feel like something like when it comes to something like racism or any kind of bigotry should be left to writers who are members of those groups who have like a deeper understanding of those topics so like like let's say the writers of the show were like we like we had black writers or writers of color uh, I know Miles is Hispanic, but Miles is also has also said he's white passing. So and he benefits a lot from white privilege. So if the show was handled by like black writers and writers of color, then I then I would trust them to handle this stuff nuanced. It's like it's similar to how you would expect LGBT representation to be handled better by someone who is queer themselves versus someone who is straight or cis. Right, right. Uh, It's like knowing what stories are yours to tell and which ones you should be more wary of telling. Right. And bringing up the Schneeduss company, um, I did have a theory before volume four came and we just seen how much of an a-hole Jacques Schnee was. Oh yeah, a weasel, human weasel. (laughs) Yeah, human weasel. But what, like I had a good, like it was a headcanon, admittingly. But I thought it would have been interesting is if Jacques was more of a figurehead and he didn't know about the fondness abuse. Oh, okay. Like someone else was puppeteering the company that. Yeah, like it was his because like in some companies, the board has more control than the CEO. Right. But with the SDC, we don't really see the board. It's just Jacques. Right. And I, again, this was before we really seen everything in volume four. This is volume three. Again, like ended a week ago, headcanon. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it if it was the board pulling his strings. Hmm. I feel like that could have been interesting. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking maybe Jacques himself is kind of incompetent and a terrible businessman, but he's very charismatic. Like, though, I, that would have been nice interesting to see though again according to a world like charismatic i i would like that um oh yeah right because he himself is uh <laughs> and in the world of remnant it mentioned he was very good at financials so very good at financials charismatic perfect figurehead ah okay mm. uh though i am disappointed that we will never see nicholas schnee Oh, same. Oh, God. I was so interested by the stories of him and also, like, the portraits of him and the Schnee Manor. Damn, that that man had a glow. (laughs) That, just the way that even Crow had some reverence of him, leading with a sword in one hand, pistol in the other, into the dust mines. Which, like, damn, okay, Weiss's grandpa was, like, everything. And we don't even know if he's dead. <laughs> I'm assuming dead. Yeah, I'm assuming unless, he's dead. Unless we just left him in the nursing home and no one bothered to visit him or check on him or mention him. No, he, no one even got him to the portal at the end of eight. Like, Weiss didn't care. 
so he just kind of <laughs> fell he didn't die though he's just chilling in some random building just like hello is anyone there <laughs> you know i used to lead the sneak dust company okay grandpa <laughs> and meanwhile he's just talking to ironwood who's just like still alive but is uh, like half of him is crushed under some rocks that he can't get away so he had just had to listen to nicholas story all day <laughs> uh, and he tries to get the rock off of himself <laughs> okay now that you mentioned the rock can we talk about the terrible semblance of ironwood oh my god i uh why just metal, metal stupid it's such a garbage first of all is this not a fighting anime I set uh, the real the real problem with his semblance honestly is not even the fact that it's not explicitly clear in the show so like most people probably don't even know it's it, it exists and it also feels like um I'm trying to watch my language um for the editors hi but <laughs> it feels like an excuse for the writers to justify however they want Ironwood to act and Twins, Twins Inc. brought this up in her video about Iron Witch, which is great. Y'all should go watch it. Um, she mentioned how her, his semblance, um, the way it's described is it allows him to hyper-focus on something to resolve a problem, right. which makes him read as neurodivergent. Oh, wait, which, yeah, I think I have seen this video. Yeah, and it's like, you, so they, the way that they write this is this man who reads as neurodivergent is a bad guy because his neurodivergence takes away his agency and makes him like double down on his bad choices, which is so gross. Yeah. It's no, like, I'm, I'm sure the writers didn't intend this, but right. quite frankly, intent does not matter as much as impact. And the way this was handled is, I, it's better off just not being made clear in right. canon. I, I hope everyone forgets the semblance ever existed because it's just not only a lazy writing excuse, but it's also just so gross. And like neurodivergent people deserve like more thought put into their representation. I don't, I'm not even sure if they thought about Ironwood reading as neurodivergent because of the semblance. I, I don't know. But that's just kind of how it be. And it's yeah. like, I hate it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. Thanks. And um, you said that the YouTube channel is Twin Inks? Uh, Twins Ink, yes. Twins uh, two, Ink. Okay. Yeah, two, yeah, two eyes in Twins and two eyes in Ink. Okay, note to self. If I ever have them on this podcast, set aside four hours to talk about nothing but Ironwood. Oh, like she's she is a very staunch Ironwood defender. And like she went ham in that video. And I, I know like, she did. Go off, yeah. Queen. Go yeah. Off. <laughs> yeah. And hey, if you couldn't tell, I'm an Ironwood defender too. Oh, I've, I gathered very quickly. And, <laughs> and I can tell you the exact moment I fell in love with Ironwood as a character. Ooh, do tell. Him facing the alpha Beowulf. <gasps> oh, God. Everything about that fight is just chef's kiss. It is. That was beautiful. Like, uh, again, like, hey, I may be asexual, but I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the power. He, it's like when Ren, like, got the glow up in volume four. It's like, no matter how, yes. no matter no matter what you identify as, no matter which way you swing or don't swing, 
we all love volume four red <laughs> volume four red thanks to Beautiful. we we got the term ren sexual which yes i i'm on board yeah i miss the hair <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but um when we talked about this ren, is wild <laughs> this is and i love it uh since we talked about ren we gotta talk about renora oh renora oh mm. I'm, I'm going to be honest. In volume eight, I was afraid they were going to sink Renora. I was like, don't you dare do this. Oh, dear. Oh, like, as in, like, have them, like, not get together or, like, actually kill them. <laughs> um, As them splitting up. Like, that would hurt me emotionally. Oh, that like, would hurt all of us. Because <laughs> they were so dang cute together. They were. I, I will say, I like the resolution yeah. where Nora wants to find find herself. I... It, the my only issue with that is that Nora herself, she didn't. Ren got to explore his issues of pushing people away and suppressing his emotions, resolving in him getting his semblance upgrade. Which have mixed feelings on that, but that's okay. not the point. Nora did not really get to do the same with her no. codependency issues. No, she she, didn't. she just said, "Yeah, I don't know who I am without Ren." To Blake and Weiss in chapter three. And then she did a cool thing. And then she was like knocked out for most of the volume. And then all of a sudden, like she didn't do any like work on exploring those codependency issues in the middle of the volume because she couldn't, she was knocked out. And then she had to coach Penny and like on, you know, it's the virus is more than just a part of you. Like they told, like they told her, Nora. Yeah. And so Nora gets this conclusion of like during this journey I've had to like I've come to the realization that I need to stand on my own and be my own person and it's like cool I what journey though (laughs) yeah and when she did say like oh I need to discover myself I was just like oh oh is this a breakup no come on don't do this to me oh god I do like that it was very clear it's not it's I do wish they talked about a lot of volume eight feels like conversations we should have been having back in volumes one and two, including yeah. this. But I do like that it's clear they do still care about each other. They're still growing and they will they will most likely be endgame. It's just they're gonna take their time. Yeah. Um, what's what sealed the deal was Ren's little boop on North. Yeah, the, the I boop. cried. <laughs> but I some manly tears were shed in that boop. Because Ren is being a good boyfriend and supporting her. Oh, I I just, I I love them. I, I do. All the happiness for them, please. Yeah, I wish well, Bumblebee could get a fraction of this. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Bumblebee. Because oh <laughs> in the beginning, when I say beginning, I mean that second half of volume six. I honestly sat there watching the show and I... And I said to myself, where did this come from? A lot of people did. <laughs> but a lot. But but much like a healthy plant, it grew on me. <laughs> oh and, dear. And I just want this thing to have a nice little blossom, you know, have it be sweet. But also, um, don't make your character arcs just the other person. <laughs> Be your own people. Yeah, that. But also, 
I, my main issue is that again, Ruby, we never talk about our feelings. Characters yeah. just don't date like normal human beings. We just kind of dance around the topic and we let the audience assume we're dating. Um, I wish if they were going to go down this route, I wish they talked about it back in like the beacon days. Yeah. Like, like make it more clear. Like just say, just say there's a crush, just say there's a crush and that maybe they'll date. And that like, even now in volume eight, they still haven't said that they're dating. They haven't said that they're in love. No one has said they have feelings. Like It's just like when they reunite and they had the forehead touch, I was like, really they're not we're not gonna have them kiss that's what i thought too like really we're just gonna leave it up in the air like why are we still doing this game we're eight seasons in just make it explicit <laughs> like are they dating or are they not dating come I, I'm, on i'm glad i'm not the only one who was just like just kiss it it's very like this is what i mean by when i have like did not great feelings about the rep in ruby because it's like we when shows like owl house uh, have you have you seen owl house uh i've seen bits and pieces um i love hootie hootie is best boy oh hootie uh, is best boy i love hootie uh hootie and king uh oh, but oh, king oh uh i have seen bits and pieces of pieces of owl house i feel like i know who you, which two you're going to be talking about um, I won't say I won't say the specific ship um, for potential spoilers, but I will oh. say, but I will say, oh, we could just do this. Hang on, um, spoilers oh. for um, like what what season th- did this happen in? Um, technically, season two. It's also a bit of season one. Okay, season one is season two. Spoilers for the Owl House up ahead. This is your first and only warning for Owl House spoilers on the thing where we were talking about Ruby. Hey, who expected this? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, okay, go ahead, since I got the warning out of there. Okay, so Luce and Amity. Yes! In C- in C- throughout season one, they start off as enemies, but they become friends very quickly. It feels very organic. It's nice. There's also yeah. a bit of flirting. Uh, yeah. Amity is, it's very clear. Amity has a crush on Luce. She, yes, it is. She's blushing all the time around Luce. She's talking about how Luce is sweet. Uh, like, it's so cute. And then in season two, like, like Luce is very anxious because she wants to ask Amity out on a date. Oh. And then Amity, like, Amity asks Luce out on the date, <gasps> like, ahead of her. And they start dating and they call each other girlfriends explicitly. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, so wait, a Disney show can yeah. do this. But like all the way back then, independent company Rooster Teeth couldn't do this for Blake and Yang. What's what's the deal, guys? So it's yeah. like, I understand a lot of people really do like the ship and a lot of people do look to Ruby for their rep. But at the same time, I feel like we Please. have to please broaden your horizons yes please broaden your horizons there's better food out there um like and also like to the writers if you're gonna if you're gonna like if you want the brownie points for your representation put the work in because i i can only speak for myself um i got better places to be fed so either give me the meal or i'm walking uh hey to be fair, they gave us the five-star steak that is May. 
Uh, that is true. I do. I do really love May. It's just I wish she came in tandem with better rep in general. Yeah, that's fair. And um, I love how we've come full circle talking about May and how great she is. Yeah, that just uh, kind of happens. Uh- <laughs> but did you know what the code name for Henry Marigold was in development? Um, oh, he had a code name? Yes. Okay, what was it? Shitty Neptune. I am not surprised. That's what everyone <laughs> called him. I like Walmart Neptune, bargain yeah. bin Neptune, discount Neptune. Yeah. Ugh. All accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And then we never see him again. And I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> because May probably kicked his ass. Oh yeah. He doesn't live in Atlas anymore. Like he's like shamed because yeah, yeah. May kicked his ass and roasted him in front of everyone. But this was honestly my reaction with May. I was just like, mm, okay, neutral. Eh, kind of don't like you. Okay, you kind of meh. Don't like you. Okay, you're cool. <laughs> like oh, out of nowhere, I liked her. And I'm just like, I don't know why I like you, but I like you. You got spunk, kid. <laughs> yeah, she did have a lot of, I like that she was actually like telling like uh, the kids, Look, we don't have time to sit around waiting for stuff. Mantle is under siege. Atlas is under siege. We got to do something. And I she, think, I, I, think, I love her. I think that's what made me like her. Was because she's she, actually like, let's actually help people. <laughs> yeah. And at first I was like, oh, you're being a bit mean to Team Ruby. And I was like, no, 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 they deserve this. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is very welcome. And someone put these kids in their place, please. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we've been talking about like the Happy Huntresses, Team Ruby, what's left of Juniper, but we haven't talked about the Aesops. What is there to say aside from get them off my screen? (laughs) Oh, you didn't like the Aesops? No, I can't stand them. Oh, wow. I cannot stand them. now, not standing Harriet, I can understand. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, though there is one thing that when I saw it, I thought, like, oh, this is where the plot's going, and it never did, and it confused me. Oh, okay. And that is, I would have loved to see Ren be trained by Vine. Oh, that would have been cool, especially because their personalities are so similar actually now that I think about it Ren had mentioned he felt like he was sad because you know they weren't as good as the Aesops so I'm like okay why didn't we see like any kind of dynamic between Team Junior and the Aesops why was it Team Ruby and the Aesops and plus you could see this like great illusion between uh, Ren and Nora and Vine and Elm Yes, exactly. And even the like the codependent stuff could have been interesting to see through that. But we never got any of that. Yeah, because even the Aesop tale of the vine in the elm is all about one supports the other because the other one can. Right. Like uh, the the vine by themselves, but together they're great. Oh, so many, so many interesting places yeah, the, we could have gone. And now here we are. 
Yeah, now here we are. And I like the fact that you were like, oh, like you were like, oh, man, about the Aesops. But then I mentioned this and you're like, oh, oh. Well, because it's it's this thing with Ruby. It's always this thing where you like, I like, we like the ideas of things, but the way that they're handled so often is like less, like less desirable. Um, the, the thing that made me dislike the Aesops most was honestly that god dang <laughs> bomb plot at the end of volume eight that they dragged okay. out <laughs> no that that's perfectly fine but i'm talking like volume seven Aesops mainly oh yeah they're fine yeah they're fine um got no complaints about seven Aesops. i actually do wish there was more of them in seven yeah i wish there was more of a lot in seven now there <laughs> is one thing that Seven, was it my favorite volume? No. Uh, favorite volume is still three, but mm. volume eight is a close second. Oh, okay. Very favorable to eight. <laughs> yeah, I liked eight because it had some cool things. Like, my only big complaint about eight was Ironwood. Mm, very, very big flaw. <laughs> yeah, that's why um, in my review, I, deduct, I deducted major points for Ironwood. Understandable. Uh, but uh, what was what was I saying? Oh yeah, volume seven. The thing I didn't like with, I did not like the Ruby Aesop fight. Oh yeah, that fight has soured on me. Because <laughs> the Aesops were billed to us as the best of the best in Atlas. And then they got beaten by a few kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we never got to see that training. It was hand-waved. And I'm just like, no, yeah, it, no, the most it got was this montage. Yeah, it got a montage. I'm like, no, no, you did not earn this. Honestly, my main issue with it um, was just the fact that so often Team Ruby is removed from the main plot and yeah. left to do other stuff. And it's like, I don't really care about them fighting these, these bunch of extras. Uh, I want them to be fighting Cinder or Ironwood or like literally any other character who matters. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. And I have uh, made this joke with friends that watch Ruby. Um, and I know it's probably because of the technology they had available to them. But I say it is a crime that it took us seven volumes to get to a female character with actual muscle. Oh my God, same. What the, oh God. Again, Twins has a video on this about like the lack of body diversity, specifically with the yep. women characters. Because the men get to be short, they get to be tall, thin, fat, like what, muscular, whatever. But the women are basically just all the same, which yeah. like, okay, um, no, Yang deserves muscles. Yang deserves muscles. <laughs> my buddy <laughs> <laughs> it's just that like i don't make the rules no no i'm not mad at that like we are on the same wavelength oh no i i knew i like i knew we were on the same like oh good just good <laughs> because i remember again there used to be a hashtag hashtag give yang abs i yes Yes, give her abs to like rival stuff. Like Sun shows them off all the time. Yang shows yeah. off her abs and Sun just cries. Like, I will never be as cool as you. <laughs> or or here's the thing. Yang gets abs. Sun sees the abs. And we have a, um, 
like um, Alex, Louise Armstrong, and Curtis moment where they both respect each other's abs. Oh my God, I would love that. And meanwhile, Blake is just having a panic in the corner. Yeah. Because <laughs> I believe like if left to their own devices, Sun and Yang would become best friends. They would. And I'm so... I, another thing, like character interactions are so lacking in the show. Uh, I, w- it, I wish more characters felt like friends. I want to see more dumb character interactions. I like, I want to see Yang and Sun be friends. And I want to yeah. see, I want to see Garen Kali meet the team. Yeah, that'd be cool. It would be. Oh, the reaction if they see a Schnee, that'd be gold. Oh God. I would imagine Kali's just like, I, I, will not, I will not get the tea tray. I will have the tea tray on standby. And Weiss is like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, just like, fair, yeah. Uh, My family but, sucks. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, but I, I'm glad that you agree with me with the, like, so um, where's that female muscle, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, honestly, like... <laughs> Like the men get to like look so diverse in body type, but the women don't. Okay, like, mm-hmm. sure, Jan. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't until like like way before this whole interview got planned, where I was just like, wait a second, why do a lot of females have the same figure? That yeah. ain't right. Mm, that's mysterious. Hmm. It's almost as if this as if this show was mainly written and directed by men. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. I mean, man. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you have like a show about like women, mostly young women, and you like uh, I'm I really I miss Monty. I, res- I the guy yeah. was a legend, but at the same time, I understand he picked Miles and Carrie because they were friends. And he trusted them with this project. But at the same time, I feel like this is a lesson that friends are not always the best choice for a professional environment, especially when that you are choosing um, a white man and a white passing man to write a show about four young women that also includes an allegory for racism. Yeah. <laughs> well, but... actually, that, that's not entirely fair because Miles came up with the white fang stuff when, because like Monty was like, you know, one of them will have cat ears. And then Miles came up with the whole, oh, they're they're called faunus. They're a whole, there's a whole race of them, and they're oppressed, and like they have a white, the white fang, and they're villains. And Monty was probably like, um, that's more than I was gonna. Okay, all right, <laughs> maybe I don't know. We don't know the full story, but if there's one interaction I would have loved to see, it would have been Team Thunder Thighs of Elm and Nora. <laughs> Oh my God, I mm, team up, fight, have them fight. Yes, so many characters I wish had fought because not only for their fighting styles, but also just, I want to see how the characters would play off of each other, like right. in the fight. I, again, it's almost as if this is a fighting anime. <laughs> now, what, now seeing Nora and Elm fight, that'd be cool. I wouldn't know who to cheer for. Both are good. In oh, my Nora book. All the way. <laughs> I know Nora's cool, but I'm not one to usually say, like, oh, this is a character I really like, you know, like really, really like. Then I met Elm. Oh, <laughs> I was just Elm like, Stan, I see. Yeah, I'm just like, 
I like this. Yeah, I like this a lot. I assume it, it's the muscle. It's the muscle. Yeah, I knew it. Hey, this is <laughs> the way fair. I. This is how I see it. You gotta respect the muscle. You gotta. I mean, she put in the work, and yeah, she also she, she's not. I don't think she's wearing shoes most of the time. Yeah, no, she doesn't wear shoes. Like that's impressive. Then again, most of the cast just wears like no sleeves and like no coats yeah. in the middle of the tundra. Yeah. So I don't know what to uh, make of this. Yeah, fair point. But yeah, you gotta respect the hard work that put that made Elm Elm. Amen. Like, but can't gang. Nora and Elm fighting that would have been cool. However, think about this: Elm and Nora fighting together. I would also like that. I I feel like they really don't know what to do with hammers in fight scenes. So I would like to see them try characters whose main thing is just hammers. I would like to see what they would do. <laughs> Hashtag team just hammers. Yes, just hammers. Just none of the grenade launchers, none of the rocket launchers, just hammers. Uh, but yeah, I, I am disappointed that we never got team thunder thighs. Same. Oh, it was like, a good joke. Yeah, it was a good joke, but I wish it was a joke that would have gone to become something real. Like, um, Sadness. this brings me back to Amity Arena. I, I, oh. I, I swear, I don't do this on purpose. I oh, know, it's uh, fine. <laughs> but in some of the legendary cards, they did team attacks. And we Ooh. actually get to see a team attack of Nora and Pira. <gasps> they have a team attack? What is it called? It's called Palm Grenade. Oh my god. Yeah. I Oh, I want to see that animated. I want to see that uh, animated. Well, the, the animation for Palm Grenade's attack or their ability is Nora runs up to Pira. Pira lifts up her shield, launches her off, Nora is sitting on her hammer and then just brings it down on the enemy. Oh, so like, like what they did with the Death Stalker. Yeah, what they did with the Death Stalker. That was Palm Grenade. I love it. I love it. I never knew it had a name. I love that. Yeah. Though I believe this in... And they do have flower power in there too. Oh, with, I, uh... I just remember them arguing over what it meant. <laughs> And everyone's just like, um, we're in the middle of a fight. And Jean's like, and we're in the middle of a conversation. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Though um, what what breaks my heart is we never do get to see uh what Acros is. Uh, Arcos, that's it. Acros oh. is a land in the Magic the Gathering universe of Theros. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> very different. Uh, but right, very different, very similar yeah, because it's good. yeah because because they mentioned it was like an, an, where they use the shield name. yeah the they Anvil. mentioned arcos was an attack that they did together but we never yeah. saw it yeah and it, we don't see it in the amity arena either um but oh. in amity arena what we do see is we see ice flower which oh, is cute. Uh, we see ice flower um freezer burn i really did like that they used ship names for those <laughs> yeah they did too um and I of thank course, god they didn't use yellow snow <laughs> and um also bumblebee bumblebee was a card i mean it has to be 
Yeah, and it was for a while the most broken card and the most annoying. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, almost sounds like it should have been called Yellow Jacket. Oh uh, <laughs> my, I, I like that. Yeah, like that's also another joke in the fandom is like the toxic bumblebee shippers, the Yellow Jacket. <laughs> oh yeah, I've also heard wasps. <laughs> I mean, aren't Yellow Jackets a type of wasp? I don't. I don't know. I know there are many yellow and black things that will sting you. I know bees are the nice ones, and then wasps uh, and yellow yeah, jackets. Bumblebees are the bumblebees are the nice ones. They're just vibing. Yeah, they they just chilling. They just chilling, and then everything else will kill you. <laughs> yeah. And oh, we I forgot another team attack we actually get to see, which is a Torchwick and Neo attack. Oh, they had a team up. Oh. Yep, they had a team up card, and it was Partners in Crime. Oh, that's cute. It was. I miss Roman. I do too. Oh. So, I'm um, sad. you think Neo's ever going to die? <laughs> uh, I don't know what they're doing with her, but I, I, <laughs> I love that this has just turned into a Ruby podcast. I'm so here for it. I, <laughs> I just, yeah. and Neo. I don't know what they're doing with her. Yeah, I don't know either. Because, like, first, it kind of ties into what they did with Emerald, which is, like, she completely forgot her motivation of being loyal to Cinder. Uh, Like, mm, she just mm. joins the heroes and never thinks about Cinder ever again. I I have some strong opinions about Emerald. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, I, I hate that she's with the heroes now. Ooh, do tell why. Because it seems like none of Team Ruby remember that she was part of the fall of Beacon. Yeah, she helped kill Penny too. If anyone yeah, cares. She, <laughs> yeah, she did. And Team Ruby's just like, oh, she's just misguided. No, she's an accomplice to murder. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just kind of went along with it. It's like, okay, all right, sure. All right. We're going here. I there's a list of characters I do not want to see get redeemed. Emerald was on that list. Oh, is it is it mainly the penny thing? Uh, mainly the penny thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because Penny was Ruby's best friend. Yeah, and it's like that no one ever because I I was waiting for a volume five moment where Ruby would go like, wait a minute, you make hallucinations. Pira looked like she saw something in this in the arena and you were in the arena and she puts the pieces together and she goes you did that I was waiting for that moment and never it's gonna never going to happen probably. no it's no at this point hell no it's not going to happen because we've forgiven her but it's like again characters never talk about anything I right. wish one Emerald acknowledged her motivation of Cinder and that informed why she left and two I wish they acknowledged what Emerald did to Penny specifically, and they had some sort of conclusion with that, where Emerald talked to Penny and we reached some sort of conclusion, whatever that was. I wish, but we did not (laughs) get that. Right, and another character I'd never want to see redeemed, Neo. Yeah, I still can't tell what they're... Okay, so was I the only one who thought Neo was going to betray Cinder? Yo, I thought that was going to happen too. Okay, good. It's not just me. I All right, good. Because I always figured 
okay, Neo doesn't really want Ruby dead. Like she's not a Ruby fan, but the main goal is still Cinder. She's just waiting for an opening. Yeah, I thought That's she was waiting I, for an opening too. But it's like, and no, it's like, no, she genuinely wants Ruby dead. And she genuinely thinks Cinder is going to like be besties with her. No. And she's so hurt when Cinder like, you know, you know, lets her fall into the abyss. And I'm like, are you surprised? Have you known this woman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like, and I don't know what the heck they're going to do with her from now on. No, um, Because it's like her motivations make no sense. I, I can't right. see what they'll do with her because it's just a dead end of boringness. Ooh, didn't think of a boringness, but yeah, it's a dead end. It's another, so boring. Another Ruby character. Never wants to get redeemed. Cinder. I, I, if they redeem her, I'm just going to scream. Can we, can we just let villains enjoy being villains? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, her backstory, yeah, it's sad, cool motive, still murder. I, I'm not a fan of the backstory. <laughs> Neither am I, really, because it oh, is, God. because it is literally copy-paste of Cinderella, but with yeah, murder. Just, yeah, it's like Cinderella, but worse. Um, <laughs> it's just, oh my God. And also, like, do we need a tragic backstory for her? And also, why are we getting it now? Why didn't we yeah. get this? Why didn't we get this after Salem's thing? Like, like, why wasn't? Why didn't we learn this in Volume Four when she was just sitting around the castle doing nothing? <laughs> that that would been a, that would been actually pretty good because she couldn't speak, so we'd see it through flashbacks. Yeah, and also because it came so late in the game, it came with these grand expectations. But if we got it earlier, I feel like we would have been more willing to forgive how simple it was. Right. Though I say the best motivation out of all the villains is maybe Hazel. Um, I'll, I'll let you explain why. Uh, um, I said out of the villains. I didn't say it was perfect. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, none of them are working with a full. <laughs> none of them I, are working with the best things. <laughs> I said maybe the closest. Maybe you could see what, because uh, Iron Watts would... feels like he's missing pieces though. <laughs> But yeah, he's missing pieces, and we never see what the paladin incident was. And also, like, you chose Pietro's project over mine, and it's like, but what was yours, though? Like, yeah. Did you present one? Like, <laughs> I have a theory on that. I have a headcanon. Wow, I have a lot of headcanons. I did not it's, know this. It's fine. This show requires you to come up with them to, like, fill in the gaps. It's okay. So my <laughs> headcanon for Watts is that Watts and Pietro both showed something great. Pietro obviously showed Penny, you know, and Watts was this other great technology. And Ironwood was this like, oh, okay, I'm, I like Pietro's more. Pietro, you're going to become my head scientist. But Ironwood used Arthur's invention without credit. <gasps> he didn't credit the artist. That And uh, <laughs> PSA... PSA, uh, please do credit your artists. Credit your artist, or else there's a special place in heck for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but seriously, uh, do credit your artists. It has gotten so bad where professional companies do trace art. So. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to name the company or the show, Cartoon Network and Steven Universe, but oh. uh, yeah, 
someone found proof of them tracing fan art. Uh, oh, yikes. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I think that was like maybe two days ago. Oh, oh, so this is... Yeah, it's recent. It's recent as of recording. (laughs) Not a good look. Um, No, it's not. It's not. Uh, But, yeah, and I don't want Ruby to talk no jitsu Salem. Oh, God, I think it might happen, though. I think it might. There's one thing that gives me hope that it won't happen. And that is Salem, who just straight up said, your mom said the same thing. And she, well, she not dead. She a hound now. Uh, we think she's a hound. Oh, she's a hound. We all know it. <laughs> I want her to be something worse than a hound. Oh, agreed. If honest, like she's an abomination. I a grim hope. abomination. I hope. Uh, There's two things I hope for Summer Rose. One, that she's now an abomination that is basically a titan grip. You know, something gargantuan. Oh, okay. And two, that we actually never hear her speak. I want it to be still a mystery until we get the Stark series. Okay, so it's like you don't want to hear her before. I swear to God, if it's just if it's just Lindsay, I'm gonna. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. With Ruby's jeans, it just seems something hit copy paste. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Ruby Summer's model is literally just her volume four outfit, but a little bit taller, slightly different hair, a bunch of white, and then the outfit is all black. And it's like, really, this this is the Summer Rose. This is the best, y'all. Okay. Though, um, I do hope someday we do get to see Summer Rose's weapon, and I hope it's not a scythe. I, I have no hope. (laughs) I have no hope. Like, I seen this funny fan comic, and it was Ruby talking to Crow and Ty, and she's like, so what was Mom's weapon? And it's like a flashback and Crow and Ty's just looking at little Summer Rose, who's holding, like, this giant ball and chain mace. Oh. <laughs> and she's just like, hi, this is my weapon, Thorn Bushel. Oh, I like that. I, I don't know why, but I imagine, like, the little, um, the ball, like, the mace thing being, like, almost like potpourri. <laughs> um, it... it it was like a ball with spikes and it was about the size of her. I, yes. I like that. I like cute characters with deadly weapons. And yes. <laughs> since we're on the topic of Team Stark, I have a theory about Kai Yang. Oh, that oh that he will be one day relevant? <laughs> oh, that hurts. Yeah. Uh, but I have a theory. It's not a theory. It's a headcanon. Uh, it's a headcanon on what his weapon is and what his semblance is. Oh, yeah, because we never get either. Right. His weapon, I like to believe, is just his fists. Oh. Oh, so like a hazel situation, but without the dust crystals. Yeah, without the dust crystals. But his semblance is he can make his skin like as tough as iron. Oh, okay. So like Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes, but without the aesthetic. 
okay. I, I just like the, the image of Crow, just like, really, what can you do? And then Taeyang's just beating this Beowulf into submission with just his fists. Not gonna lie, I do like that image. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but, um, what uh, would you say is your favorite volume? Ooh, hmm. Ah, uh, let's see. I want to say, I want to say three. Uh, I feel like that's, that's the, um, that's the fan favorite yeah. because it's like, uh, there's, it's, the show was a lot more magical back then. Mm-hmm. And volume three really just was the, the peak of the show when it was most itself yeah. and w- like who can forget like their experience when the fall of beacon oh. went down like from pvp onwards it was just a rush of like losing characters you loved seeing these horrific tense situations in a place you thought was safe where goofy adventures were going on for like the last two and a half volumes. And now it's all crumbling. And you're like, oh my God, this is, if this is what the rest of the show is like, I am on board. And they never really, they tried to recapture it. I, they tried with uh, yeah, and And like, you can, like people can like disagree on like however they feel for me personally. Right. <laughs> they missed the mark so bad. <laughs> I just like they will I feel like they don't understand why the fall of Beacon worked so well. And because they don't get it, it's why they can't recapture it. And in a way, I feel like they shouldn't try to recapture it. They should just focus on where the story organically goes instead of trying to shock people like with whatever thing like penny's alive how shocking oh now penny's dead how even more shocking and it's like i'm so tired at this point (laughs) yeah i i agree with you there and the thing i think that really captured volume three was not just the, oh, things are getting dark, but it felt like a turning point. It was a changing of the guard for the show. Mm. It very much was. It was the tone shift. It was, this is going to be a lot darker than you. Like, I remember Gray put out that thing when Beginning of the End came out. And it's like, hey, if you have kids who watch Ruby, you might want to watch the this next episode ahead of time because... You know, it's got some dark stuff they might not be able to handle. And I was like, oh, oh, I like this. And also, like, volume three was the last volume that they used Poser in. It was also the last volume that, like, Monty was in some way directly involved in. And I feel like you can feel that in that, like, in the shift from three to four. And I feel like that adds a lot to the magic of three. And it's yeah. sort of like saying, like it's saying goodbye to the old form of Ruby before it went into a different form. Mm-hmm. And whatever you think of how it is now, it's like, that's that's anyone's opinion and that's perfectly okay. But I feel like for a lot of people, 
they just miss what Ruby once was. Right. And the thing with volume three is I think it can be summarized up very well in Pira versus Cinder. Oh. Because <laughs> going into that fight, you know how it's going to end. Oh, you right? know she did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know she's going to die, but you hope you're wrong. Oh, right. It's like the Titanic headed for the iceberg, and you're like, come on, just get a little bit out of the way. Like, uh, but it always hits the iceberg. <laughs> Yeah, not only is it just that, but it also ties back to her first name. Oh, Pyrrha, like Pyrrhic victory. Yeah, it's a victory, yeah, but at what cost? At what cost? Oh, I it's, no. that That sums up volume three, like, yeah, the good guys won, but at what cost? Oh, good Lord. And even their victory is kind of, like, questionable. I, like, oh. It is a victory where you think a defeat would have been better. And that in itself is just so tragic. And I'm here for it. I same. I <laughs> I I miss how visceral the end of volume three was. It was it was so good. I yeah, it, oh. it's beyond words and almost that experience. And all oh, the voice actors did such a good job. I would just like to thank uh, Jen Brown for her last, her final performances as Pira. Um, um, her hey. screaming Jean's name still, still gives me goosebumps. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, um, fun fact, she's also the voice of Lisa Lavender. Oh, yeah. I miss Lisa. I miss Lisa Lavender. Yeah, we all I do. Sh- I miss Shopkeep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We'll talk about shopkeep because I have a funny story involving the shopkeep. Oh boy. Uh, but with volume three, man, volume three was just so good. And if there's one music score I wish would have been longer, it was the Ozpin Cinder fight theme. Oh, okay. That Not was the one just- I was expecting expecting but it is up there yeah it, it it's just the clashing of the weapons with like the latin choir behind it you know this is epic i just to thank you to jeff williams and alex abraham for uh, that. i yes and i oh that you know, was so good but, uh i wish cinder had that power still <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but um I also Talking. love the little music box at the end of 11. Oh, yeah. But talk about the music. Um, I cannot tell you how long it took me to be able to listen to Cold without crying. Oh, oh, Cold. Yeah. However, I am now able to listen to Cold without crying somehow. <laughs> but there's another Ruby song that still makes me cry every time. Oh, which one? Indomitable. Oh, that one. Oh, I remember that was the one I was most excited for on the sick soundtrack, and it did not disappoint. Yeah, because <laughs> not only is it what I love about Indomitable, it's about Ruby, but it's about the making of Ruby. 
Yeah, there are so many little homages in that song to Monty. It's like a little love letter to him. And it's like, your thing lives on. The thing you made is still here. And like, you were right. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the lyrics because it's been a while since I've listened to it. But the goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that does. Yeah. And that's... he did that. It, does, it may not look like he wanted in some way but his legacy is still in it and it's still in there it's still in our hearts yeah and another thing about indomitable i think because uh as a writer because i do write a bit too um it also is like a beacon of hope that yes you can do something this big too you can create something that will last throughout the ages yeah we can all do that. That's and, in all of us. It's like we, that's, that's the beauty of creativity. Like it, it is. allows you to express yourself in a way that like normally you wouldn't be able to, but also it creates something that can speak to other people in ways you didn't anticipate and it will outlast you. So a little right. shard of you is going to be out there for everyone to see themselves in which like the fact that we can do that is it's very beautiful when you think about it yeah it is and there is a part of um the volume four theme that makes me cry a bit too till that to this day and that is move onward not there yet oh like the little acronym for monty that was yeah i love let's just live yeah that bridge yeah. That bridge hits. <laughs> yeah. Though I will say the best theme is Time to Say Goodbye. Oh, without a doubt. That one is the It catchiest. goes hard. It goes hard. That bridge. <laughs> that goddamn bridge is so real. And it's like I I I've come to have like mixed feelings on like the vocal tracks, especially in more recent volumes, and especially as like I've expanded my music tastes, Fair. but t- there are a few songs that still do elicit the same exciting feeling that they used to. And Time to Say Goodbye is without a, a doubt one of them. Right. And what I love is that even like in the older theme songs, you could still see some things with still relevant in the show. Oh, and, like things they'll call back to. Right, callbacks. But one thing that I think has become a bit of a callback, but could be expanded on more, is the are we soldiers keeping peace or are we weapons pointed at the enemy? Oh, I love that line. I wish, I wish it had more to it in canon, but it is this question of like, are we doing the right thing here or are we just shields? Are we just cannon fodder? Is that what we are? I wish that was something that they thought about and talked I, about. <laughs> I mean, they kind of did with Ozpin, but not very often, but very quickly <laughs> because he ran off to his own little room to cry and hide. Yeah, yeah, after they punched him and a child into a tree. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which dick move, Ozpin. 
I, uh, I don't blame Oz. I really don't. I blame Oz for a couple things. Like, was he a good guy? Most of the time, yeah. But come on, man. You've made some mistakes that you need to own up to. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, he didn't deserve that. Like, I, he was he was made to watch his past where his, like, the woman he loved murdered him and their children viciously. And then he had to suffer through eons of this weight and responsibility, right. reincarnating over and over again. And then, and then they just punched him. Yes, yeah, like... yeah, fair, fair. But if there's one thing I don't like, I'm probably in a minority on this. But when it comes to the younger and the older brother of, you know, remnant. Oh, the gods. Yeah, the gods. I don't hate them. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because Salem tried to break the natural order of things. Things live. Things die. Things happen. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see where you're getting coming from, but there are also a lot of heroes in mythology who do that, who like bring their, who try to bring their lovers back from the dead. And they're kind of revered as heroes and Salem is the inverse. And I can kind of get why, but at the same time, there are certain things the gods do um, that really bother me. Like they don't, oh God, I, I don't know if I want to get into this because it's like, I have a whole lost fable video all about my issues with that. But it's, it's basically like everyone is trash. <laughs> everyone's yeah, trash yeah except for uh salem and ozma's kids which i have a theory on that they deserve better i do have a theory about the kids oh that they're maidens no, no well yes that they are maidens but the Oz, their spirits are in the relics oh okay because uh, let me see if i can find this one image real quick I would I would like to see some of that actually. Uh, it's like their ghosts are inside the relics. Ozma and Salem children. Uh, yes, yes, yes. This is a great image. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Because um, let me get up. Let me pull up another image. Because when I saw this, like my theorizing brain went haywire a bit oh boy this seems to be the show for theories so it is and it is a show that fun fact matt pat of game theory admitted he would never touch because of the fandom because <laughs> he knows how him. rabid That's, they are sometimes that is that is the correct choice sometimes <laughs> sometimes only sometimes hey i like to give the fandom a benefit of the doubt uh, yeah, that's but fair. that's fair. Uh, with my experiences, I'm just like, <laughs> not yeah. touching that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I never post a link to any of my articles on the Ruby subreddit. Uh, <laughs> no, we no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of that Lion King moment of like, what is that dark place over there? <laughs> yes, and that's that is basically what it is. Like, must never go there. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, so this is the first image. Okay, I sent to you on Discord. Oh yeah, like little little winter. Oh yeah, she has the little um the belts 
that Jin has. Yeah, she has. And her dress is in the Jin same hat. Yeah. It's like it's like the weird cyan blue with like the the off brand gold. Yep, and here's uh, the other image I was gonna say of Jin. And do you see that beautiful art piece right there? Yes. That was official art in Amity Arena. Jin got to be a card. Yeah, Jin got to be a card, and she was busted. Uh, I mean, it's Jin. Like, yeah, she's Jin. And, yeah, Jin was in Amity Arena. And I, I didn't think she belonged because the relics are myths. Right. Yeah. And it's like, because again, not public information. So. Yeah, no. yeah, not public. Though I do have a theory of um, the relic of uh, choice. Oh, yes, the crown. The yeah, the crown. crown. Because in the fairy tales of Remnant, there's a story called the Indecisive King. Oh, yes. Yes, because the crown shows you future choices you will make. No, actually. Oh. It shows you the outcome of a choice. Like, if you say yes, this will happen. But if you say no, this will happen. And he got choice paralysis, basically. Ah, hence indecisive king. Yeah, and it got to the point where his queen had to take the crown off of him and lock it in a vault for the kingdom to live. I mean, if your king ain't gonna do anything, fair. Yeah, and basically, um, it really sounded a lot like paranoid Ironwood, but worse. Oh, okay. Because he has these infinite options. And it's like, but which ones will destroy me? (laughs) Yeah, which ones will save the kingdom? Which ones benefit the kingdom the most? But also where my family will be happy, but where I will be happy. It's like, um, sadly, you cannot do all those things at once in most cases. Yeah. Uh, Though the Grim Child, yeah, we were talking about that a while ago. Because in that book, they reveal a Grim that I want to be in the show. Oh, which one? It is called The Chill. Oh, yeah, that's the possession one, isn't it? Yes, it is the possession one. And the possession Grim, it, it's kind of like a geist where it does possess you, but there's no like obvious markings. Okay, right. Well, because my understanding was the Geist possesses inanimate objects. Right. The Chill possesses people. Yeah, Joe possesses people, but it can't make you do whatever it wants, I believe. It just oh. like leaves you in a catatonic state, repeating the last word you said. Oh, that's. Ooh, okay. That's crazy. And you know how um, we have the werewolf game? Yes. In Remnant, they have a chill game. Of course they do. <laughs> Which is actually mentioned in the fairy tales of Remnant, I believe by Dr. Ublek. Because at the end of each of the stories, it has like a note from the desk of insert character here. Oh, okay. That's and cute. there's a note from Ublek. There's a note from Port. There's a note from Glinda. 
I think there's a couple notes from Ozpin and one even from Lionheart. Oh, even Leo. Yep, even Leo helped in the creation of uh, the Fairy Tales of Remnant because the book you get is actually Ozpin's copy. Oh, okay. Because I know he's supposed to narrate it, right? And mm-hmm. he even, like Shannon McCormick even narrates the audiobook. Right. It is Ozpin reading his fairy tale book to you. Which is cute. I like that. Yeah, it is really uh, cute. So, with guys possessing inanimate objects, you know what I'd like to see? I'd love to see a geist possess someone's weapon. Oh, I didn't even think that could happen. I oh, dear. I mean, that's actually that actually seems like an obvious choice because it's like, hello, possess the thing they're using to try and kill you, and then like, they can't kill you with it. Like, what are they going to do? What can they do? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just imagining Ruby being chased by her scythe in the woods. <laughs> that sounds like like a uh, chibi Ruby skit. It, it's that, It's like that Scooby Doo thing where they're like running yeah, around with the hallways. The yeah, the halls, and it's like just everyone running around as the scythe follows them. Yeah, but what's in another grim that I find fascinating is the Armagigas. Oh yeah, that's the that's the Geist, but make it rock. Uh, no, that's the Petragigas. Oh oh right, Armagigas is the knight. Got right because there's two different versions of the Armagigas. Oh, okay. you have the anthology Armagigas, and you have the canon. Armagigas. Okay. Uh, What's the anthology one like? Well, let me start with the canon one, because that's the most normal. And with Ruby, that's saying something. Hmm. Um, It is just a geist that possessed a suit of armor. Pretty straightforward. Yep. In the anthology, it is a bunch of Grimm stuffed inside of a suit of armor. Oh. Oh, lovely. Oh, God. So it's like a legion of demons. Yeah. That's lovely. The best part is, if you ask me, uh, the person who set up that fight between Weiss and the Armagigas wasn't Jacques. Oh, right. It was like his assistant or something. Yeah, it was his assistant who is worse. Oh, I remember, because I do remember reading a bit of it. And I was like, Okay, Jacques' assistant? You're his assistant. Okay, you rude. Um, yeah, she's cold. Pun. Oh, she. I, rem- I, thought it was a, I thought it was a dude. No, it's a woman. Oh, okay. Still yeah. rude. Um, like his assistant slash secretary. And she's very like, oh, Weiss, you don't have to do this. Why are you doing this? Don't embarrass the family. Oh, ugh. Oh, good lord. Yeah, I, because we do learn more about that whole thing in supplemental stuff, like how Weiss got to go to Beacon and all the stuff she had to like put in the work to do. Mm-hmm. I do wish we got more of that context in show, but I will say the white trailer is gorgeous. Uh, the what? <laughs> okay, I have a funny story involving the white trailer. Oh, okay. Because um, I forget why we were doing this. But uh, Kat, who does the Ruby reactions, mm-hmm. uh, she was re-watching the trailers. 
mm-hmm. and like me and some other people were in a voice chat with her because it was like a community day thing that the discord uh-huh. has mm-hmm. and like this like i believe at this point she finished volume four and she was re-watching the white trailer and she says and i quote oh so that's how weiss gets her scar <laughs> and we all started laughing and we were like it took oh you God. this long to realize it's like oh that's oh that's the moment it clicked okay <laughs> yeah it was like I, i'm not making fun of you cat if you're listening i love you love you as a love family <laughs> yeah love your work love your reactions but i do have a funny story of how i came to all of geek because it does involve ruby mm-hmm because when I found All Ages of Geek, Kat was still reacting to Volume 2. Oh. And I was all caught up at this point. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, she's heading into Volume 3. Oh, I gotta watch this. Oh, oh, her reaction to End of the Beginning is, oh. Oh, oh, you actually watched it? I I did watch a lot of... um, her reactions um i still haven't seen her reactions to seven or eight but i love like how into the show she is yeah that's great it reminds me a lot of arnold and i appreciate that oh oh yeah murder of birds yes yes also if arnold is listening hi arnold (laughs) you know if he is listening that'd be the highest honor uh, for me (laughs) i yeah (laughs) because he's like the de facto leader of the community yeah well i'm i set up my little tent and i'm just like hello i am here (laughs) Uh, but after watching that eventually she was streaming um grim eclipse on uh twitch Mm -hmm. and i actually got to be in the same lobby as her and play with her oh which Mm -hmm. that that was cool uh, me, her, and two other people did an all Jean team. Oh my god! And she called it the Bean Team. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, it was. So we beat Grim Eclipse together. That was nice. So I oh. was in the Discord community for a bit. Then one of the writers, which I became friends with, uh, Tracy. I, if you're listening to this, hi, Tracy you're great um she was like oh i think you should show cat uh show tat one of your writings and i was like eh. you know because i was very self-conscious about my work mm-hmm. i get that and she's like no no it's good and i'm like okay fine i showed tat and tat was like hi welcome to the writers team uh, <laughs> It, it wasn't oh, wow. really like that. Like I did a couple of test articles. And she was just like, okay, so you're good. Uh, do you want to become a writer for all ages of geek? And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> and then just like out of the blue, like join the team. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, then after that, um, after being a writer for a bit, which technically I still am a writer, I just inspiration has not struck oh that's a mood mm. yeah uh eventually i got asked to be on uh dice sesh which is our D podcast 
which you can listen to wherever D&D podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. Dice Sesh is most likely there. Little plug for Dice Sesh. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. Hey, if you can do it, I can do it. (laughs) Um, But then after a while after joining Dice Sesh, I started doing more interviews, which I interviewed some decent sized YouTubers, um, Judgmental Critter, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed Cammy Cat, the singer on YouTube. Oh. Uh, she does some original songs, some covers. Really, very first interview I ever did. It, it's not that good, if you ask me. Uh, I mean, it was your first. So. Yep. Yeah, interviewed some other people. Then I thought. I got what would be another just oh type up article and then Pat was like oh you could do this for the Geekening podcast and I was like oh okay and I was nervous <laughs> because that was the voice actor of Jimmy Neutron's dad oh yes oh <laughs> that was my very first audio interview oh god yeah and I was just like, oh, no pressure. Yeah, yeah, basically, that's what it felt like. Okay, you can do this. <laughs> uh, but oh, I got through it. It was a decent interview. Um, the only thing they didn't like is that how short it was. But in my defense, he's a busy guy because he's also a mm. comedian. Yeah, hard to find. Yeah, someone of that level and that caliber it's like, yeah, they probably do have a very busy schedule. Yep, but then fast forward to where we are now, I have interviewed, oh geez, what have I interviewed? A voice actor and him. I've interviewed an artist and an author before you. Um, Mm -hmm. But you are my first uh, technically Ruby tuber that I've interviewed, which has been uh, great, you know, because we've been talking for maybe almost three hours. Which like, dang, okay. And like Ruby has been the main thing with, it feels very cathartic to talk about Ruby. It does. <laughs> is, is that a good thing or like, are you oh, in- oh yes, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to know like. Oh no, that- like. Oh, like, do, do you know cathartic? Like, the word cathartic? Or... No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, cathartic means, like, um, something is very satisfying to release. It's oh, usually, okay. like, yeah, it's usually, like, pen up for, like, frustrations or, so, like, stuff you've been meaning to say, but you haven't had the right chance to, and it feels, like, good. It's, like, a release of, like, anger okay. or frustration <laughs> at um, the show. So... To uh, wrap us up, since let's go to the main topic that should have been the main topic but wasn't, <laughs> uh, let's talk about your book. Oh yes, the book. I yes, because I am indeed an author. Uh, uh, so, what's the book about? Was it titled? Yes, um, the book is called Disenerabus from the Ashes. It is set in our world, approximately hundred years into the future following the revelation of magic to mankind um it didn't go well the world kind of fell apart at the seams countries um 
reshuffled a bit. There was a little bit of a religious resurgence. Magical creatures ran rampant across the world. And the homeland of the sorcerers, the Medellin Empire, which had previously remained hidden from mankind because they didn't want to deal with it, suddenly found themselves going, okay, yeah, um, we have to step in or else there's not going to be a world around us anymore. And so the, the story in the present is set um, about 50, 60-ish years after that whole debacle. And the story follows uh, Felix Brasher, who is an 18-year-old fire magus, uh, magus being the common word for sorcerers, and there's a bit of tension between humans and magi, um, given um, the whole revelation situation did not go well. And um, there are certain magi who kind of um, tried to wipe out mankind in a power crazed stunt. Um, and so like, they're not very trusting of each other. So Felix is a fire maker's father, is a religious human zealot and he's not fond of magi. So Felix, when he discovers he has magic, um, it kind of leads to this altercation when he is about 12 years old, where his father vanishes, um, house burns down mysteriously. Um, there's a creepy rogue figure with a mask and a phoenix who's like, if you give into like you know, usual, like if you give into the dark side, you'll get all ah. this cool shit. And Felix is like, I don't know who you are. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry. Like time out. I would love it if the villain actually said that. Oh like, yeah. If you come to the dark <laughs> very side, upfront. yeah, like very honest. Like that is the villain's fatal flaw get, that he's yeah. honest. You'll get you'll get like a motorcycle. You'll get like a scholarship. You'll get it like endless food like you'll get a gift card for taco bell you'll also give up your soul <laughs> like dude you will be allowed to wear shades on the inside but it's like can i can i do that already but it's like but you will have a certificate that says you can do it so people will know that you were the worst person at parties <laughs> <laughs> but so felix um wants to become a master sorcerer um, because he doesn't really have any other direction at this point. Like after, like he spent a lot of time hearing how Magi were like awful, were these abominations, were threats to mankind. And he internalized a lot of that. And he, his father also wasn't the best person. He had his reasons for acting the way that he did, but he was very emotionally closed off, wasn't very nurturing. And that kind of seeped into Felix's outlook of the world and now Felix is largely driven on resentment and spite which are the best <laughs> which are the best motivations to have as a developing young child um, yeah obviously so now Felix gets an opportunity because there is currently an effort between the U.S. government and the Medellin Empire to allow uh, young magi in the United States to study at the Dragora Institute of Magic in the Medellin Empire to hone their magic and like do whatever they want with it. Because in the US currently, all you can really do as a magus is um, attend the International Academy for Magi United that's run by humans in Antarctica. <laughs> ah. that no one that no one wants to go to because 
one, it's run by humans. And two, once you get out, you basically just go back to wherever country you came from to become a super soldier, uh, become a weapon of war, basically. And no one likes that. Or you're basically a government worker who gets treated horribly, who's meant to like deal with uh, natural disasters and magical creatures running rampant on the front lines, which is not fun. So this is an opportunity to really like go to like where magi are most welcome, where they run stuff and like really get to see who you are and what you want to do. And Felix is like, cool, this sounds great. Um, I'm going. so while he's there, he really gets to discover who he is. He meets people from all walks of life all across the world. He falls in gay love. Uh, he's bi, by the way, he's a bisexual disaster. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but while he's here also, that creepy masked dude in Vegas is still like whispering in his ear and still giving him promises of power and he, they kind of strike up a bargain where it's like, hey, um, you, Felix, I kind of have had my eye on you for a long time. There are nefarious forces at work that I may or may not be related to, but if you can help me fight them, I can give you what you want. I can give you the thing to satisfy your spite and your lust for power. But to do that, you also have to go up against um, this rival of yours, uh, Lucas, who is the rich kid from the Medellin Empire. Basically think Draco with the shitty family, family sorry, editors, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. who are really terrible. And he, like Lucas really looks down on Felix for not coming from the Medellin Empire. Also, because Magi have this power ranking system based on their eye color. So at the bottom, you have the cobalts, where you have gray eyes, and then above that, amethysts, eye color, and then gold, and at the top are pearls. And Medellin Empire is structured in a way where the pearls are the strongest, they have the most magical power, and they run everything. And Felix is a cobalt. So... <laughs> have fun. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, his power level is capped at birth, and it's not very much... So Felix is this little cobalt runt who's trying to surpass his limits and become this powerful sorcerer against Lucas, who's a pearl. So (laughs) good luck, kid. Um, Especially because with Felix specifically, I wanted to go more of an anti-chosen one route. Um, Because a lot of writers, what they do with their main characters is they'll make them the strongest hero who ever heroed. And I went the very opposite direction where I'm like, no, Felix is run. Felix yeah. has a lot of bad impulses. Felix is an idiot. And yep. he makes all the bad choices. <laughs> uh, and so it's basically this race between Kim and Lucas to see who will get this thing that Vegas is promising. And there's a lot of other shady stuff going on at the school. Um, by the end of it, um, everything is in chaos and there, there will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> there will be blood. There will be a lot of blood. There will be a lot of tears, ideally, if I get y'all, if I get you to care about the characters, because Wonderful. I love these characters. Um, so yeah. That's, so, that's the um, do you bring a character back to life just to uh, kill them off again? Or God, no. God, no. <laughs> if I ever do that, I hope you burn the book on the spot. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm a bibliophile. I can't burn a book. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that honestly sounds like a really fun read. Thank you. I spent looking a forward long, to it. Spent a long time on this uh, on this bad boy, and I'm very excited for people to finally get their hands on it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Uh, again, uh, thank you for accepting the invitation to be on the Geekening podcast. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Like, this has been a very fun chat. It went in very unexpected directions. <laughs> hey, not really, though. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't that much like life? Yeah, that's I was, life. <laughs> I, I've gonna, I was going to try and make it sound deep and philosophical, like we meant to do this, but we didn't. We just no. ranted. Yeah, that's just that's just kind of how it goes. Honestly, that's mostly your job as a writer anyway. Yeah. It's like, fair. yeah, sure. I meant that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of wandering. I don't know. Like on a gut level, you know what works. And then after the fact, someone points it out and you're like, huh, I guess I did do that well. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, any last uh, pieces of advice for... Uh the listeners uh, any pearls of wisdom i would say i guess i'll give it to um, aspiring writers and aspiring authors since that's my wheelhouse um i would say write the stories you want to see more of in the world uh don't try to regurgitate stories that you've already seen think about why you love the media that you do think about what you wish was in more media and then go from there focusing on your craft taking your time with your writing please god look into the different publishing methods that there are and pick the one that's best for you um yeah just basically just be true to yourself is i guess my last bits of wisdom it is 11 p.m i'm not working with a full brain right now so hey that's fine um right dear listeners uh thank you for listening to all of this again if you want to listen to more of me talking to other people who are not always ruby fans that i'm aware of uh you can find it at the geekening podcast which you can find on all ages of geek or where you listen to your podcast usually wherever podcasts can be found all right this is will telling you to just um if i am to quote anybody most likely quote james a janice of dead me and be good people hey what's up geeks it is matt coming to you once again to let you know that without your support on patreon and in the comments we really can't do any of this we are an entirely community supported operation and uh well you're our community so you stay weird you stay wonderful we'll catch you next time